0: This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Good everything, Nubians. What's happening? What's good? I know some of you may be triggered by what we played, and I'm going to play another one on the end. I want to be able to chop it off so that these folks can get a single bit of our algorithms on the the uh, well, good good, everything. How hey, you, Dr. Carr? How you doing? Hey, I'm
1: fine, Professor Hunter. How are you this beautiful day? Good everything.
0: I am awesome. Uh, And I see we are wearing our W.E.B. Du Bois this week. Yeah. His, birthday. his birthday was this week,
1: yes. Yeah, his birthday is day for yesterday. Well, for those of you watching, it's uh, on the 23rd of February every year. That's W.E.B. Du Bois' birthday. We figured we'd get him to help us, particularly from what we just saw. What was that?
0: um so i use this as a lesson this week because one of our favorite um jezebels because i'm you know i'm now in my, my donald bogle moment uh explanation uh one of our favorite jezebels is out in these streets because there's a petition to remove content like this from TikTok. um and there's another one where guys dancing with and then every time he eats some food he's gotta do all of this. And I was like, yeah, Coons, Mammies, Tom's, just you know, and the the Lottos
1: thing. and bucks, huh? That that was one of Bogles uh, for those people who think that you just pulled out a label to lay on somebody. No, oh. that was a term, right?
0: No, no, yeah, no, and I'm not disparaging. I'm saying that we don't Enough to comment on things, and that was what I was saying in my journalism class. That you know, you may think things are funny because you know we're used to yeah, some balls, and balls. Oh, no, you know, there's a whole lot of cooning going on, especially in rap and hip hop. And I said <laughs> it. I said it. Ooh. But it's like if you don't know better, so I'm so I'm struggling, Dr. Carr because you know, you you don't. I said this yesterday. You don't kick a dog in his in his balls for not wearing drawers, right? You don't. <laughs> you know. Your balls are out, dog. You know the Man. dog don't know. The dog don't know. So, oh, no. so we have to do better in terms of like educating people with love. And I, I personally need to work on that um, because I get so frustrated that why don't we know these things? Why don't we look at this? This that thing that I just played. Mm-hmm. That boy, that boy, and I'm gonna call him a boy because he clearly doesn't know. And there's like thousands of yeah. videos where he's eating food and acting like, um, like what D.W. Griffith said we were. But he said we were, that D.W. Griffin said that we were that, and we're not that at all. And, but he's got 7 million followers. Of course. 7 million! Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe, now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall.
1: You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Of course.
0: On this day of hate, uh, today uh, there's a Nazi Nazi rally. I was like, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just like, woo, this, this, this can happen again this is how it no, happened it is
1: it's happening, happening again
0: happening in real time y'all are living through history once again but i'm i'm thinking about uh you know they used to call the rally something else now they're just like day of hate The national, hate. and we're not even gonna try to pretend that we're not hating we're just gonna call it what it is and i'm yeah. like wow
1: why don't why don't we what's the, i mean what's the point of uh of trying to hide it i mean who as you say who, who gonna check us or check us yeah,
0: we, we uh elect or don't elect folk by staying home we elect folk by staying home in arkansas and texas and florida and other places where we actually could have done something What what people did in georgia was
1: so you mean, that, it, it, all mean isn't, it is it isn't all just voter suppression sometimes people just don't go to the polls and make it easy for them
0: yeah yeah because they, they you know they're out there with my vote don't matter i'm gonna write my name in. i'm gonna write in somebody else but you know, the power Power people understand. I don't care if you don't have a college education. I don't care if you have a GED, half a hoe, uh, can't spell. I'm gonna send you to Congress cause you're gonna vote the way I want you to. I don't care oh, if you are a lying piece of crap or who is lied about everything from your heritage to to whether or not you were at a at a drag festival, how about that? And we're Republicans, and we're banning drag, but we're gonna make sure that you're in Congress because you're gonna do what we tell you to do. Right. We don't need purity. We need I, I need to like you and know that you're doing everything. And listen, I know it's complicated. I know I know it's complicated. Is it? But, no, it's not. But I'm, I'm trying. I mean, to you
1: keep, you, keep your hands off, young girls, unless you met Gates and uh the state you from then wants to hurt you know police what your children learn because they want to protect you from the matt gates of the world except when they send them this isn't about republicans or democrats this is about human beings versus everybody else these people are serious what we gonna do though huh
0: what we gonna do? i guess
1: we're gonna eat mustard and 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 act like we have in some kind of spiritual or moment or sexual moment i don't know what that was what can we do
0: what do we do? So I feel like what we do is what we do. 155 episodes in a row. Just, just that glass of water. We gonna just be, be that constant drip. Please, please wake up or don't wake up. And and you know the consequences are great. So we can't. I can't even say you know come or don't come. You know watch or don't watch. No, no, we have to be a little bit more vigilant. And I'm saying this to myself because oh, I, that's I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of I've kind of been very lousy fair if you notice. I don't push this. Yeah. You know, we, we're here. You show up, grave, you don't, that's on you, but it's not on you because your inactivity and your apathy and your ignorance is killing all of us. It's and, uh, killing yeah, all of us. Yeah, so I don't think we can accept that anymore. So I think we have to be a slightly more vigilant version of what we've been doing in terms of getting folk to recognize that these cooning uh, images of us gives people justification and it's not right. Uh, to, to, you know, in any any bit, because I was just thinking, you know, with this this hate rally today and it's targeting Jewish people. But again, the Nuremberg laws were fashioned after the Jim Crow laws. This is not like, there's not a separation here. This eugenics project was fomented at Harvard. You know, this is not, you know, it's master race theory, all of that was in America first. And who was the target? So, if the target moves, and before there was Nazi Germany, there was the Rhineland section, I think, of Germany, of German uh, Germany, where World War One, uh, you know, formerly, you know, sl- uh, soldiers, black soldiers, and and German women, there was a whole section of, uh, of mixed race babies. They started there, and before that it was Africa, that the Germans started their their. Oh, no Although they so, did get
1: some pointers from their cousins across the Atlantic. James Whitman, Hitler's American model, the United States in the making of Nazi race law.
0: Hold on, hold on, hold hold, hold that up again for the people.
1: Hitler's American model, the United States in the making of Nazi race law, James Whitman. They uh, sent their people. Um, As Whitman shows, Nuremberg laws were crafted in an atmosphere of considerable attention to the precedents American race laws had to offer. German praise for American practices already found in Hitler's Mein Kampf was continuous throughout the early 1930s and most radical radical Nazi lawyers were eager advocates of the use of American models. But while Jim Crow segregation was one aspect of American law that appealed to Nazi radicals, it was not the most consequential one. Rather, both American citizenship and anti-miscegenation laws proved directly relevant to the two principal Nuremberg laws, the citizenship law and the blood law. Anyway, yeah, So the Nazi. Uh, just,
0: wait, hold on. You just happened to just had that with among the, the, yeah,
1: I talked about it before, and then one day I was moving some stuff, and I realized Whitman's book was right here on the shelf. I kept that close because you know, hey, it's, it's what it is. Ernest Just got caught up over there. He 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 barely escaped with his life. Uh, Ernest Just, the scientist, of course, who won the Sprengel Medal in C P was on faculty at Harvard for a number of years. A st- stem cell by well cell biologist. Was he um, one of the founders of the Omega Sci-Fi? Yes, he exactly was. That's exactly right. He was. Over a and
0: love and just. I, I
1: know this. That's, that's exactly right. Come on now, but they that in love. That's what they say. You know, on the, me not just stray over there for my uh, for Audrey would get me because I know she, she can't talk about that. But uh, historically speaking, but yeah, just uh, from South Carolina, Dartmouth. Um, he uh he got caught up just as the war was breaking out. Um, what's the brother's name up at MIT? He may be retired now. He wrote uh, Kenneth Manning writes about it in his book black apollo of science but 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 to to your larger point which is the point the nazis weren't uh pioneers in race law they were looking to their brothers across the ocean as whitman traces yeah the calls coming from inside the house in other words so that this 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 hate rally they're having today yeah the roots ain't coming from germany I, i love how uh you know uh um joe scarborough and them try to make it about Anti, you know, the are like the Nazis. Well, what would the Nazis like, Joe? Don't
0: do it. Or do it, and then we or do just, it. Yeah, just.
1: I mean, I, I appreciate
0: it. it. I appreciate, you know, I'm watching Snowfall uh, in honor of John Singleton, Rest in Power, our, our brother Walter Mosley, final season. And there's a scene uh, where Franklin's mother, you know, the father and mother fled to Cuba father got snatched up got killed snatched up i'm sorry i'm giving away a lot those of you who haven't watched it all
1: right i haven't i haven't caught up i'll watch it all at one sitting sometimes yeah Yeah.
0: but she she has a moment because you know the cia was and i think about this all the time you know the the drugs flooding our communities not just not just crack before that it was heroin like it's it's been a constant beat to criminalize you you free people, you emancipate them, and then you make laws to reincarcerate them, and then you loan them out the way you did when they were enslaved, except you don't have to take care of them now. And loitering becomes a crime. And then you have that 13th Amendment with the butt clause. Mm-hmm. It means all they are playing you, yes. right? Yes. Then, then you flood the community with drugs, and then you make them schedule C and you 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 <laughs> them, put them away, yes. you snatch them out, and then and then we're like dealing with the fallout from that. So Sissy um, says to her son, Franklin. She wants to take down the government. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, mama, how, you know what? What what are you doing here? She's like, no, 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 no. They must go. You know, and I was thinking about, you know, the the you know the the schizophrenia you have to have to know what you know. Mm. And still and still fight for the rights because I, I don't want to live under a Chinese regime, I don't want to live under a Russian regime I don't want to live under a Ukrainian regime we don't, don't want to live, live under
1: any oppressive I regime. don't
0: want to, exactly so we're going to fight for the thing that we have to fight for because we can here at least fight here we can at least have some semblance of I don't even want to call it power but we can uh, yeah
1: that's we the can company yeah
0: we can fight the power that's what chuck denham told us to what
1: do he said okay. yeah on tv too It was pbs even but yeah <laughs> no i don't i i think that's the that's the danger i can hear now some folks saying well you don't know enough about china or russia to say that but no i think that's that's the challenge in using the hmm. flag-based kind of approach to society because we know the united states Um, hovers somewhere in the second 10 of the white countries that are considered the most quote unquote democratic on the index. You know, it's usually the top 10 is usually, uh, pockmarked by the, the homogenous white countries, Sweden and Norway, United States. Is Near the top of the index, but by the end, you know, the capitalist index and democracy and all that But it's never number one. It's never number two. It's never number five It's usually somewhere between 10 and 15 maybe 15 to 20. So even by the white standards It doesn't it isn't the top now, of course today, of course right now in fact over in Nigeria There's an
0: election wait, hold on and before you move on I, I just I'm wanna... not going Anywhere we're going right we stand right here. Oh, we're okay. Free. All right. I just I wanted to say that um you you said homogenous, right? Yeah. America's the only co- you you talk about China has there ever been a non Chinese person or non phenotypical Chinese person run the country.
1: Well, I mean, and see, there's the Well, there's the challenge because China isn't homogenous. I it's mean, it's
0: not homogenous, but there's a concentration camps right now, Muslims that are making uh, picking cotton and making the Uyghurs, you know, yeah. the Uyghurs are are, mm-hmm. are being. Uh, Decimated. No one's really talking about it because, you know, what do we know, right? What do we know?
1: Well, I mean, we know right. people yeah. in prison, as you said, you mentioned the 13th Amendment. Now, it isn't slave labor in the sense that uh, China is being excoriated for human rights abuses. But uh, next time you walk into Walmart and pick out some three for $5 draws, you might want to check where they came from. They could either have come from domestically, and there's a lot of slave labor in the prisons, yes. unpaid labor, and or They might have come from one of those countries that is constantly being excoriated for being anti-democratic, like, uh, I don't know, Haiti, for example, where, you know, shout out to the Clintons, as we always talk about them. They're making that money. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, China, you know, human rights abuses are not exclusive to the countries that uh, this government and its business owners stick on the lapel pins and then have us cheer and root for or against like we watching a sporting event. So no, no human rights abuse is no no boundaries, no no nation state boundaries. That's right.
0: I was right. gonna say it's easy to be uh, democratic when you don't have any others to navigate, right? So when you talk, are you dumb the- Are you
1: done the fold down and bite into a pretzel and do the boogie?
0: Okay. <laughs> how many? How many did you say? Seven point one million people follow this person. I'm not even gonna give their name, but I was just like, are they you have a name?
1: Their mama named them something. I'm sure their mama didn't dream of them becoming a, a, what, Tom Coon, Mammy, Mulatto, Buck, Tom Coon, Buck. Well, we can take it before Donald Bogle and go back to the great Sterling Allen Brown, who talks about the Negro in American drama and fiction, where he talks about all these stereotypes, too. You know, it's not that we haven't analyzed this, but if you never pick it up to study it, I guess, you know, when they show up again with a more potent technology, what we're doing is, uh, you know we've been on here the better part of uh almost 15 minutes and this is probably two or three minutes uh it's actually 12 or 13 minutes too long for oh, to the person who it. will watch oh. somebody in, bite <laughs> a pretzel
0: eat, eat some uh let me correct myself 6.1 million followers the other guy that i'm i'm gonna play has seven hundred eleven thousand followers but what i was gonna say is that there's a lot of money you know for one of those videos this person easily probably getting like $30,000, $40,000 per video, you know, uh, crosses a certain threshold, you know, once you get like a million views. So, you know, why wouldn't you keep, you know, if there's a reward for you, Coon and Tom and Jezebel and all of that, if there's a reward for it and you may not have any other discernible skills or education or, you know, abilities to do anything else to make that kind of money, you know, it's that same argument, like on the streets, like, you know, where else can you make this kind of money? But I mean, that's lazy to me. It's a cop.
1: Or, or, Or maybe you do. I mean, maybe you do have those skills. I mean, if, if you could get generate that kind of revenue from sitting on a screen and reading a book, you think they would do that?
0: I, yes. Okay. Well can, can we generate that kind
1: of revenue? Well, I mean, where where does the where does the interest come from? Is it a cultivated interest? Is it like do we come out of our mother's wounds craving to see somebody in a tight Nike tank top uh doing the uh doing the huckabuck after ingesting uh sugar diabetes and uh and salt or so did somebody teach us that? <laughs> <laughs> now, this is for everybody who, as soon as the child gets old enough to hold uh, a device, you stick it into her hand. You're training that child to watch the coon show. I know you don't think so. I mean, yeah, but you no, know, you are. So, I mean, they, they'd read books if you could. get. So is it the audience? I mean, how do we root this out? We're pouring the clean glasses for sure. But sounds like you uh and that spirit of, that spirit is okay we maybe we need to press the gas not that we aren't continue to grow it's really remarkable isn't it you talked about last week's about how the roots are so deep and they continue to get deeper but
0: i, I know this, 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 a, this is a long this is a, a long journey you know uh of i don't even want to call it re, you know unlearning and then re because there has to be a willful here's what i say all the time you know like there was a willful indoctrination, which is why I have my class read at Bernays' Propaganda. I, I play Classified X for them. Yeah. I, I talk to them. I play these videos and then juxtapose it to what we see in, in media. I know you have a hip-hop class where these things are talked about because we got to make it real where, where they see it. And I, a couple of my kids, my, my students got emotional watching Classified X because there's like these, you know, very troublesome scenes of lynchings and then what what malvin van peoples does so massively is juxtapose it to you know the bucket and the chicken and the chicken and, the chicken and then he shows the hangings right like I'm it's like nice. oh yeah there's a direct connection and yeah. and while we're so
1: not is what the 80s
0: yeah yeah early eighties. Mm.
1: So, so that's uh 40 years ago
0: yes and he has made transition he's not right
1: even- i'm just saying as bad yeah. as it was 40 years ago and is that the shame? I think it, maybe that's around the same time as uh, what's the other one? Not split image, just Jeanette dates in the book. Um, oh, I can't think of the other one that is um, often so somebody will put it in the, in the chat. The other documentary, uh, Esther Rolle narrates it. Um, but at any rate, it it doesn't matter. When So you said they had a what, what was where was the emotion coming from?
0: The realization that, you know, you see these things like my dad grew up in the era where literal images like he he and his brother were teased called the Gold Dust Twins because they were very dark skinned. Yeah.
1: And but oh, I mean, don't know the Gold Dust. You want to tell people because some people may not know young people, especially may not know what the Gold Dust Twins you
0: know are. What? Let me just pull up the image so that y'all yes, can, please, you, know, please. Uh, you know, that beats everything. Yeah. But, you know, and it, and it 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 bothered him you know like it bothered him and i and i know that it, you know that that was a constant you know kind of like all of the images of that time let me get an image the go dust okay hold on let me let me call it up and put it on the thing these are things washing powder and what's wild is that black people over index in purchasing these products because we've been associated with not being clean so we're going to prove to the world that we're clean when other folk ain't bathing
1: taught um, europe how to bathe 700 years in the iberian peninsula in spain and portugal john clark, john clark used to say the queen of england was considered one of the cleanest human beings in europe because she bathed twice a year and then here come the muslims uh every time we pray we gotta how many times you pray a day Five. Oh shit, sure. we got yeah you got you gotta wash yeah we gotta wash. what is that oh no And right right north of the Iberian Peninsula, Spain and Portugal, there's France, the home of perfume. Why y'all putting all that on? Because I ain't got time to put no water on my body and it's cold outside. So I'm just going to layer another uh, layer of stink. Can you imagine the stench of, and then, and somehow we not clean. It's like we can't swim and it's more water in Africa than
0: anywhere. But somehow we don't, this is all enslavement. Mm, 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 mm. So here we are. No, I found it and then I got to uh, convert it to a PDF. It was like, like a whole process here. Uh, okay. but go ahead, keep talking. Keep talking while I'm, while I'm part of it. Hold up. you were you were talking about the um, the elections in Nigeria. And I'm just I'm gonna, gonna mention
1: it, yeah, just in, because I mean, again, this is the world's by far largest quote-unquote democracy of people of African descent. Uh, this is today's Financial Times. Nigerians will go today, are going today. By the way, but they're there now. It's uh, nine o'clock on the east coast of the United States. So they're well in the way and some several Nigerian uh, Nubians have been sending messages and I'm sure there'll be more, if not already, in the chat. I'm going to look over here in the chat. I know nelly has been sending some messages. and I know, Baba Oz, I saw you commenting. Nigerians will today go to the polls to elect their next president, marking the end of a draining election campaign notable for the emergence of a credible alternative to the country's two dominant Political parties, and uh, of course, there was a big story that broke yesterday. Uh, they caught a brother, they being the uh, the authorities, with three hundred thousand dollars in walking around money to go buy votes. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, a total of eighteen candidates are formally running. Uh, and by the way, y'all saw when the white nationalists who was stop uh, woke against woke capitalism uh, declared for the U.S. presidency. So a lot of people run everywhere. Although only three stand a realistic chance of winning. And of course, you've got Bola Tanubu, who is governor of Lagos. Uh, he was the governor for eight years to 2007. And he is representing the All Progressives Congress. That's the ruling party. That's the party of uh, the current president, Muhammadu Bihari. Bihari is term limited. And unlike uh, the United States of America, uh, he is going peacefully. Uh, you know, it's not like you'll see the uh, hillbilly horde. Uh, attack Abuja uh, Depending on who wins the election yeah, People talk about uh, Every time somebody mentions something about black people being violent in elections You need to run that tape Of January 6, 2021 um, So you have uh, In the United States that is uh, So Ebola Tanubu And then uh, Etiku Abubakar Who is a former vice president He's run <laughs> This This dude to run president six times This is his sixth He's from the People's Democratic Party um, but Peter Obi is the outsider, Obi, O-B-I. Um, in fact, Obi has made a tour. He's been going a lot of places. He came to the U.S. He's been to the U.S. many times, but he came to D.C. a little while ago, a few months ago, last year, and actually one of the places he stopped was on the campus of Howard University. They rented out um, uh, Blackburn, not Blackburn, uh, the big auditorium, Crampton, and it was packed. Yeah, I had a lot of Nigerian students who were enrolled who, who went to see Obi speak, um, He's a businessman. He was a former governor of one of the states in Nigeria, and uh, he is the Labor Party candidate. Um, let me see what Anu Adeoye writes from Lagos. Rarely since Nigeria returned to democracy in 1999, has there not been an incumbent or former military ruler on the presidential ballot, which analysts say present, presented an opportunity this time to elect a different type of leader. Well, you almost got to have a military pedigree, at least you used to. Uh, James Earl Carter, who, of course, is now in hospice care in Georgia and in, well into his 90s. But 98 in he? Prof, I think uh, Jimmy Carter is. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, so, you know, would that, we all would be able to, you know, meet the next phase of existence the way that Jimmy Carter is meeting it in comfort, surrounded by his wife and family. You know, we should want for every human in the world what Jimmy Carter has right now. But Carter, of course, is an old military man, Navy, a physicist, I think, nuclear physics, actually, I think was his background. So, I mean, when they start talking about military people and dictatorships and and the problems in Africa, remind them of Dwight David Eisenhower, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was Secretary of the Navy. Remind them that military, remind them of George Washington, your father, not mine. or yours prof but i I assume there's some people in here with the truth uh bahari military head of state for a period in the 80s has stood in all but one of the six elections to date casting a shadow over nigeria's democracy whatever voters will also choose today 109 senators and 360 members for the lower house of representatives, the botched rollout of a newly redesigned currency notes and paralyzing fuel shortages have dominated the news headlines for the in the weeks leading up to the votes. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're always gonna say that Nigeria, they're predicting by 2050, I think it's the predictions I've seen consistently, they're gonna be 440 million people in Nigeria, the vast majority of them in their 20s or younger. Now, don't you pause and think about that for me? That's 100 million more people than in the United States right now. So we're not talking small. And of course, the American Negro, particularly those descendants of slaves who are just hell-bent and determined to somehow stitch that damn American flag into their soul, um, are, as far as I'm concerned, adjacent to the Negro pouring mustard on a pretzel and and bucking and dancing. It's the same thing. You got to understand, if you don't overflow the boundaries of these countries, you're going to have a problem. Now, wherever we live, it's only enhanced by linking hands with those who are struggling. And right now in Nigeria, they're trying to prove. Uh, they're trying to move a different way. is seventy years old. Abu Bakr is seventy-six years old. Obi is sixty-one. So that's one of the things that uh, that they are saying counts in his favor. And I won't go any further. I just say that you know, since this is a global classroom and it continues to grow again, I'm just, I'm not stunned. I'm very much encouraged, and I know you are, a Prof, and all of us are, as to this the sheer number of people who join from every week and who are continuing to, to be here. We just want, we want the world to change overnight. And there are inflection points that in retrospect make us realize, oh, that was important. And so as we're talking today, we're thinking about those things in the context of what makes us best able to change the world that we live in for the better. And and that's one of the things we want to talk about today in terms of this, this last this last Saturday of so-called Black History Month here in the United States, as we said at the beginning of the month, the beginning of the first Saturday of the month, we're looking at curriculum, we're looking at education, and I want to, you know, pick up on the energy that you have kind of set for us, Prof, and be a little indignant today, but we're going to get some help. So did you, yeah, did you see it? You got to go, that plans. oh my goodness.
0: Yeah. They
1: don't sell us anymore, do they?
0: No, I, I, not here. You know, but imagine growing up, and this is in the grocery store, and then people are calling you and your brother. This, you know,
1: nah, see oh, you got to okay. fight somebody, but you really can't. Well, you got to be I'm, careful.
0: They did fight. Uh, so like, <laughs> so my my uncle Melvin was uh known for that. So, and my actually my <laughs> we say my uncle. Yeah, my uncle, uncle my died. died for that. Uh, my, my, my uncle died fighting in in six men. Uh, in a in a pool hall
1: okay 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 nigerians particularly yoruba that's what they call perhaps a uh what they call it um an oriki oriki is like a verbal and visual incantation so you have different levels of oriki what you just said that's that's an example in terms of cultural meaning making of a family oriki in other words when, when karen hunter gets ready to go into a meeting and reconstruct the whole terms of what's about to go down you remember the family Oriki, Uncle Melvin died fighting six men. And because so I got something. you know these are the stories you tell, <laughs> families tell, so you know, you ain't got no, you ain't got no quit in you, no chicken in you. No, oh, no. My Uncle Melvin died fighting
0: six no, men. In, the court. No. in other words, this these are the stories you tell. Man, that's uh, a, <laughs> what? Yeah, I found some others, which, you know, I just, I can't imagine. I mean, this, to me, is outrageous as there being a day of hate, and nobody's doing anything. Like, y'all just okay with that? Like, <laughs> like, Okay, You to right.
1: sell a candy called Chocolate Babies. No, no, this is important because- Look at this. Wow. Okay, what does it say? Why doesn't wow. your mama wash you with fairy soap? Yes,
0: yeah, fairy soap. Look yeah, because I'm know. not a
1: fairy. That child looks like she getting ready to deliver the news to the face of this little <laughs> on the right. <laughs> anyway.
0: And because this was in the news this week, I wanted to remind people, episode 17, which I, I put back up uh, in class with Carr, where you masterfully told us about Nancy Green, uh, an actress, uh, well, formerly enslaved person, who they uh, did, you know, had to find some a physical person for that um, world fair. Look at this. So you had Auntie Mama, pancake flour. Then we need <laughs> Oh Lord, oh,
1: bacon, bread butter. This, this is probably adorned many a wall in a kitchen for the shopping list, huh? Yeah. And that was at the World's Fair in Chicago, right? We talked about that. That's right. The same World's Fair where Ida Bell Wells, Frederick Douglass, I. Garland Penn wrote a little pamphlet because African people from the United States have been excluded from the World's Fair, the World's Exposition in 1893. And when they got to the World's Fair, they wanted to distribute this pamphlet entitled, Why the Negro is Not in the World's Fair, in in the World's Exposition. And when the white folks wouldn't give them a place, it was the Haitians and the Haitian pavilion. They said, come here. Meanwhile, this sister is at another part of the World's Fair. They did have her here under a big sign, I's here, honey, flipping them cakes. Now, I, 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 am I right to, uh, did, I, did I hear this correctly?
0: The family is-, t- oh, this is- yeah, so we had a conversation about the family But behavior. I know
1: that's what I'm saying. I'm listening. Yeah, I heard you there. Yeah.
0: yeah, this is that's what? old news. Uh you you handled it. You handled it. Um but again, most well, so who know. who misses who misses this box? Stein, you know, his oh, problematic problematic self. Um and they they're, they're, they're tweaking. Wait, Stein.
1: That's a Jewish name, right? Probably. So he it, it, let's say that perhaps if it is or isn't certainly somebody who has a memory would not want to have any group Dehumanized because you know the next step is the trains and the gas chambers,
0: unless you don't remember, or unless you think it's not you. And unless unless you,
1: you think it's not you, oh come on, prop, that's the word today. Unless you think it's not you,
0: you know. Um, the third right was brought in through elections that were funded by absolutely. people who didn't believe that people would actually follow through when they said they had a final solution, absolutely. Well, that's them. It's not. You're not gonna do that to, to me. I'm, I'm 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 bucking for you. I'm, I'm making money for you. I'm, I'm, I'm bucking for you. No question.
1: In fact, the great Gil Scott Heron in his uh, poem song uh, dot dot did it dot dot dash the Ghetto Code dur- written during the Nixon era, he said is you know the United States. He said it's looking like Europe and it's looking like Hitler in '38. Did they move to stop Hitler before? It was too late, dot, dot, did it, dot, dot, dash, damned if I know. In other words, it don't it don't start, you're, you're absolutely right, it creeps. That's why they call it creeping socialism, creeping Nazism. You think the thing is a small thing. It's a little rally here. It's a little corn governor in Florida there with this new House uh, bill that has been introduced into the legislature where they're now going to, um, what did they say, they're going to ban majors and minors in gender studies, at least they claim. The trustees of the public universities in Florida can call for post tenure review of any faculty member for cause.
0: Wow. And, and, and he said if he gets elected, he wants to move the federal, you know, the, the power, you know, all of them good government jobs people got. Yes. So much power in Washington. What he says is too many Negroes, because I know too many Negroes. that's full of Black people. No question. Safe no jobs with this no good money and these good pinches and all. No, no, no. We need to spread this out. Yeah. Child, it's about to go down. Y'all better pay attention. And hey, this please
1: time. pay attention.
0: Oh, remember this one? Pear purest, Look at that. Look at that child. You know, gold dips in. Look at look Lord. at how washed whiter than snow. How Lord. Hard. the purest and most durable. You know. Reverend Wright, please.
1: Reverend Haynes, please. Child. Bishop Bishop Kamathi, please. All y'all, please tell them, Please, I know nobody in their congregation sing "Jesus Washed Me Whiter Than Snow," but we just saw a reason why he shouldn't be. That hymn should be poured out of, pull out of the hymn book.
0: That well, guy was gonna... all white. Yeah. Look. Look. Let me let me put them back in there. Add them back. Okay. Went in and then came out.
1: The but purest if... and most durable. Most durable. Best in the West. Three cents a bar. St. Louis, Missouri. By the way, you saw that the sister there, the uh, attorney general in Missouri, in St. Louis, now the white boys in in the State House in Jeff City are trying to strip her, trying to get her out. She's won re-election. Why? Because I have a law degree. I'm the prosecutor and I'm going to get some justice with people. I'm not putting everybody in jail. So now the white boys out there. They're not going to be satisfied till they break it. I, for one, am thrilled at the thought of them breaking this funky ass project up, and because we can build better, we yes. can go back better. Not Joe Biden. You, 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 no, because I mean, because didn't I see? Well, I, and I was going to say, yes,
0: we can, and then I just
1: <laughs> <laughs> didn't. What did uh, Aaron Brockovic is still alive? well I saw in palace. They say I love how Europeans take a name and try to change the vowel to make it different. Uh, she was in palestine ohio i know they call it palestine but uh she was in palestine aaron brock of apparently telling them to chin up buck up meanwhile the hair fall now teeth fall now oh and jd vance mr jd vance uh you're up bruh you you, you didn't those voters they voted for you you in the senate now come on out there and tell them again how the government is not good how regulations are not good how trump who you were screwing up while you were getting your book and then turn around and say you love trump how trump rolled back those regulations Go on, JD, you up now But I heard Aaron Brockovich was out there Trying yeah, to tell I these said, poor white voters to uh, Be vigilant and hold your ground Are you serious? Yeah, Hold uh, your ground? My ground is radioactive <laughs> Meanwhile, black people In Africatown and Alabama And every hazardous waste dump Robert Bullard been writing about this from years From, from uh, Atlanta University Environmental racism are saying, oh, do you get it now? Do you get how your whiteness Is going to cost you your life? Because you've been killing us all along what they used to call Cleveland the mistake on the lake because they had so many chemicals in Lake Erie on the shores of uh, you know, it's like, I mean, and remember when, it, uh, when uh, was it, it was Lake Erie, wasn't it? It was on fire that time. Yeah. <laughs> the Chemicals are that. But I guess now maybe, probably you think they will change. Is there any amount of pain that will force them to give up their no, work? No,
0: no, 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 there isn't. Which is why, you know, the begging and the pleading to, to find some common ground and can we just get along and all, the, none of that language, you know, we just got to put our heads down and build the world we want to live in and not ask for uh, assistance. And when, when it's good, you know, first of all, build a defense system around it. Cause you know, folk don't like to see progress, you know, they won't destroy it when they see, Oh wait, everything's good over there. Let's go blow it up. Nope. Nope. Come on, you buck. No, no, no. <laughs> No, no, that won't happen. But you know, once that happens, then it's like, you know, it's like anything. Bandwagons are real, you know, and if you keep good, you know, eventually people are going to be tired of having missing teeth and, you know, radiation and cancer and all of the things that happen and keep voting for people who don't, you know, care about you and going out to rallies, fighting, fighting against folk that ain't bothering you at all. You know, the, the, the notion that such a small percentage of the population is ruining the country like Germany, 1% of the population, you mad at all of this, 1%, you're telling me Jewish people are that powerful, that 1% of them, is the reason why you can't buy bread?
1: The same people watching that video of them, Nick Rose dancing over a are also watching other YouTube videos of people ranting who would say exactly that, and some of those people look like us. It is yeah. it is, it is remarkable, I mean, it, 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 two, two Du Bois quotes come to mind on this two days after his birthday. One, he said, if we could count on the cooperation of the white working classes, Nothing could stop the advance of both. We cannot count upon that, Du Bois said. The masses of the white workers are our deliberate enemies. He said that in 1923, and then, he, and then, uh, maybe 10 to 15 years before that, in a book he wrote called *The Quest of the Silver Fleece*, and which was a novel, Du Bois, ta- the silver fleece being cotton. He's telling—he really, he, Du Bois used his novels to tell historical uh, truths. He just put them in novel form. But he said, uh, but if the time spent cajoling food were used in convincing the honest and upright, think how much we would gain. And that's what we're doing. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, we spend all this time. No, no, no. Let's just keep pouring this clean glass of water. Let's turn up the volume a little bit. Let's remain consistent. And Du Bois, in fact, Du Bois said that too. He said, I'm not worried about being consistent. What I'm worried about is the truth. Because the truth will keep you consistent. He changed his mind many times. So, um, I hate to see. I mean, OK, let's think about this problem a little bit, just know, because, again, this is the point of entry. Here we are, the last Saturday of so-called Negro History uh, Month, uh, Black History, my start, say Negro History Week, Black History Month in the United States. A short time when we look in survey of what we've learned the whole year and then gear up for the next year, because next Saturday, we just plunge right back into it. And those of you who are new to newbie knowing that Monday night, we're now uh, about to enter framing question six. Um we have for our reading, we're gonna finish up in Googie something torn and new, the last two chapters of that book. But so that's for this coming up Monday, and then we enter March next week. But you know, as we kind of kind of wind up here in February, the last Saturday of February, prof, it you know, the question keeps continue, it keeps coming back around to how we slow down and really center ourselves in ways that can help us not only transform ourselves, but expand that so we can transform the society. Does it feel like you, that to you, I mean, we've been, I guess we've been saying this for three years now, but that things are getting worse in terms of these kind of brazen, open hatreds. Uh, Seems like it may be. Can't hear you.
0: I process this, you know, I don't want to be the person that's saying the sky is falling, you know. But the sky has I mean it has fallen in terms of like what we think of, you know, the pie in the sky optimism that so many of us have, or you know, it's worse from the sense that I feel like there's not enough of us who understand what's at stake here. And because you get up every day, you go to work, you pay your bills, or you don't, or, you know, you you know, the sun comes out tomorrow, you know, that. That it's not like you said, it's not urgent until it is, right? And that's how it comes. It comes. It comes really fast once the slow roast happens, like that frog being boiled one degree at a time. At one point, it's cooked.
1: How about that?
0: So you know what? What stage are we in this pot that is being turned up one degree at a time? At one point, it gets cooked.
1: At one point, it gets cooked.
0: Do you want to wait for that, or you want to jump out of this pot? And I'm, I'm like, come on out of the pot. Let's get out of the pot. Let's get out of the pot because it's, it's, it's boiling it's and boiling. you will be cooked in it. So, yeah, I mean, we have a bunch of stuff happening at the same time. The uh, the environment it was 80 degrees, I think, in Virginia, North Carolina.
1: 80 degrees in D.C. on Thursday. And most of my students were outside. at something they call a darty. I didn't know what a darty was until I came to Howard. A oh. darty is a day party.
0: Day party. Yes, There's more
1: would- often than not liquor involved. Uh, there are very few clothes involved. I saw my students in various stages of undress that I'm sure their parents would not have approved of. But I mean, I'm trying not to be judgmental because I was young too, although I don't ever remember not having that many clothes on. I, my hip-hop class has about 65 students. I would say there may have been 20 there.
0: Oh, wow. They were all
1: outside. You know, which again, as someone who, like you, has spent the vast majority of my life the last three years sitting right here and very happy to do it, you know, it caused me to think about the prospects of just maybe staying in virtually and just recording some lectures and going on, because after all, that is now the periphery of the work. This is the center of the work, and I'm grateful for that, deeply grateful for that. Um, So yeah, it was 80 degrees. And... uh,
0: (laughs) So so we have something we can't control happening, right? Mm -hmm. Then you have the man-made situations like in in Ohio, Mississippi, Flint, Michigan. You know you have you know the man-made water crises and and all of the things that are happening. You know, in addition to which, I think the climate is man-made as well. So cool. And then you have this political climate. You have this this political climate, and I don't want to call it racial. This power climate where. Hi. Uh, powerless people are duped into feeling like somebody else is the reason why they're not doing better in their lives, and that there's a, a, an attack on white men in the corporate world. There's now diversity and equity on in reverse. A lot of diversity and equity and inclusion people are being fired, right? They, there's a whole thing that it George really window has closed. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on at the same exact time, and um, and we we still have to find a way to to fix this thing because and, and we can and we will. We can, and your children, grandchildren, whatever, deserve to have a world that they can live in freely, and not have to, you know, worry about their lives, and and you know, and we should be educated. So we're gonna keep fighting. We're gonna keep doing. We're gonna this.
1: keep fighting. And 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 we have to recognize, you're right, that the social structure we live in is the reason for a great deal of our the way we attack these problems. How we think about them as individuals how we think about them as community and i was mentioning we were talking yesterday i was telling you about a book that we're reading called uh, stolen focus why you can't pay attention and how to think deeply again this guy jonathan harry you know i'm typically not one who reads a lot of these kind of books but after i read the first part of it i said let me take this book home stolen focus why you can't pay attention to how to think deeply again because you know this guy's writing about how the society we live in in fact the the first chapter i won't go into the preface where he takes his nephew to graceland and while because his, his nephew has been obsessed with elbert since he was a little boy and finally as a teenager he takes him there and and the boy spends the whole time looking into his phone including while standing in a room that apparently has a virtual uh, a virtual app where you can be in the room if you're not physically in the room and everybody in the room But harry is looking at their phone and got the virtual Headset on looking around he's telling them take off the virtual headset You're literally in the room, but in first chapter cause one the increase in speed switching and filtering he makes the point that In fact, let me just read this very quickly He says "As a first step these scientists drew up a list of sources of information that they could analyze The first and most obvious was Twitter. The site was launched in 2006 and soon began this work in 2014. So there were eight years of data to draw on. He goes on. He says, what they found is that in 2013, a topic will remain in the top 50 most discussed subjects for 17 and a half hours. By 2016, that had dropped to 11.9 hours. This suggested that together on that site, we were focusing on any one thing for ever shorter periods of time. He starts talking about attention spans then. And he says that there are two things going on. There's so much more information now than in previous eras in world history. He says, in 1986, if you added up all the information being blasted at the average human being, TV, radio, reading, around the same time Mario Van Peeples makes that documentary, we're talking about, it amounted to 40 newspapers worth of information every day. By 2007, they found that it had risen to the equivalent of 174 newspapers per day. And the increase in volume of education, uh, volume of information, makes it almost impossible to keep up. But then he gets into how this impacts attention span. He started talking about how, um, you know, speed makes us anxious, makes us feel, um, you know, like we're missing something. What do they call it, prof? Is it FOMO, fear of missing out? I think. Yes, that is the thing, right? Yeah. FOMO right and then but then he starts getting into the amount of time that we pay attention to any one thing and typically I write all in my books and now I start I started writing in books like this because these are those cheap books and I'm not really concerned about them but I'm trying to see if I could find it. if not I will yeah now I remember what he said he said the average adult meaning someone who remembers a time before this in fact, the front page of the Financial Times on Thursday had a little graphic where it talked about teenagers, and it said that the average United States teenager in the United States of America uh, spends some time daily on YouTube. So he said over Almost 80% of all teenagers spend some time every day on YouTube, followed by I think it was uh, Snapchat, then Instagram. And I thought it was interesting to ask my students is it Snapchat? Y'all still do Snapchat? I mean, I'm not keeping up. But what Hari says, Uh, he says, Johanna uh, Hari says, is that the attention span of the average adult who remembers before 2006 on any one subject before we just drift is between two and three minutes. He says the same attention span for a young person who doesn't remember the time before all this social media stuff, Facebook and Instagram, and Facebook was down the list by the way, YouTube, the average attention span Is less than a minute. In fact, maybe like 30 seconds. So if you're sitting in a restaurant and the waitress or the attendant comes up and pours mustard on a piece of pizza and you eat it and you start. Guess what? People trained not to pay attention are now like, let me click. Wait, what's gonna happen? Oh, he danced. (laughs) That's why there are random uh artificial images let's say cartoon cats real cat who have more followers than both them brothers combined (laughs) because i'm just gonna watch this cat oh i'm gonna watch this cat ride this dog's back oh i'ma watch this dog help these young people these children come across the crosswalk Oh, meanwhile your your daddy retirement plan is going in the toilet. Why? Because the billionaires have figured out more stock buybacks, and you want to know why you' about to be laid off. But the child is in the room, in her hand, watching this TikTok dance. Get this dance. Get this dance. Get this dance. <laughs> so I mean, like, and so what? What Johan, What Johann Hari does in this book. This is a guy, best selling author like you, Prof. I, I mean, stacks up on stacks of bestsellers. And what he's doing is he travels the world after a brief moment where he opens the book where he unplugs everything. He goes to like Walmart or Target somewhere and says, I need a phone without internet access. The, it, it, it's cra- I'm, crack, I'm reading this cracking up because he says when he, every store he goes to, the clerks don't know what he's talking about. What do you mean you want a phone with no access to the internet? For what? in case I had to make emergency calls and you mean like slow access or you got to buy a plan or something? No, no internet. Oh, we don't know. They couldn't understand. When he finally got them to understand, eventually they say, Oh, I wish I had a phone like that because they realize it's the technology speeding everything up. Now we are regularly in this space for extended time relative to a world that moves that quickly. What does that mean? Well, again, we are in a world where all of us are being trained to respond viscerally to events around us, to experiences around us. If you can't capture our attention long enough for us to sustain it past a few seconds or a few minutes, then you continue to craft whatever you're doing in the world to speak to that lowest common denominator. And it just reinforces the lowest common denominator. So the curriculum gets far, far fewer words in it. So the lessons become, can we get this in two minutes? Can we get this in 30 seconds? Can we tell the history of black people in a second or maybe a Hulu documentary of six minutes? Ve- and then you don't realize you're not helping. <laughs> you're not helping, you're not helping. Um. And I thought today, as as you say, I mean, you 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 set down the marker prop this morning with the okay cease and desist, and I'm with you on that because the 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 news this week from Florida, of course, with this fool Desantis, who will never be president of the United States, if for no other reason than even by the short attention span um, marker, by the shortest attention span rubric, the short attention span indicator he as folks say the closer you get to him the less interesting he is it won't be his policies it won't be debate that's going to do the most damage to him although those will do damage it's going to be the fact that he don't show up well on tv that's going to be the problem people say well yeah because you did elect a reality star president and before that you act you elected a b-movie actor ronald wilson reagan (laughs) so in other words right you want to see trump go back to reagan and on that and that factor, with that factor alone, DeSantis is in trouble as soon as he leaves uh, Tallahassee, much less the rest of Florida. And by the way, shout out to those young people who marched on the state capitol and who marched all over in protest on Thursday. Uh, students from all over the state of Florida, if you were Nubian who participated in that, you know, put it in the chat and let us know, um, you know, if you were there because I saw there was some, you know, including the HBCUs. So one young brother, Dream Defenders and some other groups from FAMU, they are standing. Of course they are. But uh, there was news out of Nashville today, uh, Nashville, not today, Nashville this week out of Tennessee, uh, Jason Mumpower, um, a real piece of work. And it's funny how, again, thinking about the visuals, DeSantis is very careful to cultivate his hayseed look. And there's another Trump supporter. And by Trump supporter, I mean like literal Trump advocate named Jason Mumpower, who's the state comptroller in the state of Tennessee, uh, who released a report uh, this week, 80-plus page report, I think 83-page report, I started reading it, uh, saying that Tennessee State University has not managed its budget well, its finances well, uh, they increased financial aid, scholarship aid from six about $6.5 to uh, a little over $28 million, to you know, attract more students and to give more money to students, they don't have enough space in the dorms, which is absolutely correct. Uh, Tennessee State is owed maybe close to two billion dollars in money that it never got from the racists in the state of Tennessee, but anyway, Mum Power, and you'll remember Mum Power from last year's attempt to take over the city of Mason, Tennessee, just outside of Memphis because the Ford plant is going there. Mum Power, a, a trumper, um, a real race man, a real race man, shout out to. Jason Mumpower, a, a real race man. And if you kind of go on the internet and look for a picture of him, you'll see he's straight from Trump central casting. Um, Mumpower is now, you know, they weren't successful in taking over Mason because they said they couldn't handle their finances. So Mumpower and his white nationalists wanted to come in and do that. Well, now they're saying Tennessee State can't handle its finances. There's no evidence, no charge of misappropriation of funds or embezzlement. But it's just that, you know, Negroes can't count and they can't do their money right, even though Tennessee State has been starved for years and doesn't get its appropriations. And so Mumpower is suggesting, I think there are like a dozen recommendations. One of them is that Tennessee State come back up under the Tennessee Board of Regents. And, you know, white folk can get their hands on the budget and do the right thing. Welcome, let's dance. Okay, see, I'd be trying to I love it. See, at some point we're gonna have to fight these people, and when we fight them, we're gonna win. And we need to remember what happened last time we fought them because we done got way too comfortable. You know, there's a young brother in Tennessee legislature who wears dashikis, and the white boys want to throw him out the legislature because he got on a dashiki, which is formal dress depending on the context you're using.
0: Is this and because the this- also has an afro? Yes. yes, brother with the afro. No they yeah, they struggled with his hair too. I
1: think no, no question. These Memphis Negroes unruly. Now, meanwhile, the governor of Mississippi, Tate Reeves, who has a terrible Dollar General store mop on his head, nobody has prevented him from coming into the federal, le- uh, the state legislature in Jackson with uh, someone's dead animal on his head. Uh, he 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 seems to be able to go anywhere with that. Uh, rayon or whatever it is uh threadbare nylon mop on his head dyed uh, brown mop on his head but the young brother whose hair whose hair unlike tate reeves is actually growing out of his scalp <laughs> apparently has a problem in nashville but the brother's not backing down and this is what you have to do um so mum power is trying to get uh a massa boy now, those of us like myself who are old enough to remember when Tennessee State was under the State Board of Regents, it was under the Regents when I was an undergrad. In fact, we took a bus to East Tennessee to try to stop the State Board of Regents, took a bunch of students up there, a student body president that year, to uh, tell them to not make the chancellor of the State Board of Regents. Uh, Thomas Garland was his name. He was a man with a high school education. Nothing wrong with that. That's a beautiful thing. But he put him over higher education of all the public schools in Tennessee with the exception of the University of Tennessee system, which is always separate. Rocky top, you'll always be, whoa, home sweet home to me. All you Negroes running up down the field in nailing stadium for the University of Tennessee. You should probably close your ears at this point um, because as far as I'm concerned, in many ways, you are just one step removed from the brother we saw eating and dancing in the TikTok video. And I'm sorry to say that about young people, but at some point now we got to draw the line. So if you're a young person, you're offended, don't get mad. As John Clark used to say, get smart. It's time to study. We're going to bring Du Bois back in on that in a moment, too. So the University of Tennessee system stays separate from the Tennessee Board of Regents system. And they have some called the Tennessee Higher Education Commission and all this other thing. we got all these little operating things. The whole notion, though, is Tennessee State is the only HBC, public HBCU in the country. There's LeMoyne Owen, there's uh, Bishop Isaac Lane, Lane College in West Tennessee, but in, those are private schools. Um, But Knoxville College in East Tennessee, which is still open and really making a comeback. Shout out to Knoxville College. But Tennessee State is the public school. And uh, and I'm going to tie this together in a second with what happened with my law students. Shout out to my law students at Howard University School of Law. We had a class. uh, We have class every Wednesday night. But this Wednesday, we looked at education. And it really set the tone. And I told them, set the tone for what we're going to do today as we close out Black History Month on Saturday. I'll tie this together in a second. But I'll mention uh, how this plays with what I'm going to talk about in a minute. I- I- I'll mention that now. Uh, I think it was 1967 and 1968, Rita Sanders Geyer uh, was plaintiff. and She was a student in Tennessee who represented the interest of Black students in Tennessee who said, you're, you're shortchanging Tennessee state of its money. Now, this is a common theme. There's a common theme, particularly after the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which, of course, is supposed to extend the 14th Amendment, equal protection under law, which means you you got a dual system of higher education in the South. Jackson State doesn't get the money Old Miss gets. Tennessee State doesn't get the money University of Tennessee gets, or this new Middle Tennessee State University they, that they that they created. In Alabama, Alabama State and Alabama A&M don't get the money of the University of Alabama and Tuscaloosa. You know, in, 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 in Texas, Prairie View does not get the money of Texas A&M and so forth and so on. Alcorn didn't get the money of, of Mississippi State and so forth. So the uh, Guyer went to court and sued. Oh. Ultimately, that case, Guyer versus whatever governor was in place at the time, at the time I was in school, it was Lamar Alexander, uh, Guyer versus Alexander at that point the case and the cases that kind of fall in that vein. In Mississippi, it was the Ayers case, Ayers versus Ford. I shout out to the great Alvin Chambers and the lawyers there who argued those cases. In Maryland, there was a similar case. You saw the settlement that Larry Hogan finally had to buck up because the Black legislators, voting does matter by the way, many of them graduates of historically Black schools in public schools, in Uh, In Maryland, Bowie State University, University of Maryland Eastern Shore, Morgan State University, the National Treasure, as it calls itself, and of course, Coppin State University. Those schools, many of their graduates are in the legislature in Maryland, the House of Delegates and so forth. So they were able to push Hogan, and they got almost $600 million to be distributed over 10 years. Well, that's in the vein of the Geyer case. So what happened was ultimately that case uh, fell under the supervision of a federal judge in Nashville named Thomas Wiseman, who uh, they, it, it, the, he got the parties to enter into a stipulation of settlement. And I don't want to get too deep into the weeds on this legal stuff, but I'm going to mention one thing that is important to understand about this as well. In the 1970s, 1979, in fact, Tennessee State merged with the University of Tennessee, Nashville. Oh, University of Tennessee? I thought it was in Knoxville. It is in Knoxville. This is what the white boys did. Again, Jason Mumpower, if, you, if somebody should send you this clip, look at me, bro. Let's dance. Because the people who came before you, they danced and the ankles broke off. Because in 1979, after the University of Tennessee at Nashville built a little campus in downtown Nashville, because rather than go to school with N-words in North Nashville, up Jefferson Street, in a stretch that has been vital to our people in this funky settler state called United States of America. Fisk University across the street, Meharry uh, Medical College, and then up the street from them, Tennessee State, Tennessee A&I. Rather than go to school with them Negroes, these white boys funded something called the University of Tennessee at Nashville. And then they were going to build that into the public institution in the state in the city of Nashville which of course the state capital that's why Florida and M is in Tallahassee that's where Jackson State is in Jackson but they want those those places now well they said we'll just build a university there What about Tennessee state No no we're not going to school with y'all separate well 1979 the courts forced the two schools to merge and the University of Tennessee Nashville took over Tennessee State University oh wait no it didn't no it didn't For the first time in history, there was a merger of two public institutions, a black one and a white one. And for the first time, because it's the first time that happened, the black school took over the white school. Tennessee State University took over the University of Tennessee in Nashville. And UT Nashville became the downtown campus of Tennessee State. I told you this story last November when I had gone home because I always go by UT Nashville because I was student body president when the ribbon was cut, renaming the University of Tennessee Nashville the Avon Williams campus of Tennessee State University. That's because Avon Williams, who was my honor to stand beside as we helped him cut that ribbon, because by then he was really in advanced stage of the ALS that would take his life ultimately, but he was in the state legislature for a long time. He was the lawyer on that case. He was the lawyer on the merger case. And, and, and in fact, he was probably the most hated black person in the state of Tennessee. Jason Mumpower. Let's dance, you pointy head looking Trump supporting, looking central cast, looking clan adjacent, looking cartoon character. Let's dance. You probably can't spell your damn last name, much less count. But you're going to talk about people not being able to spend their money. We're going to spend you like the pocket change you are in world history. But at any rate, when we see what happened, they merged just before the school schools merged. The University of Tennessee, Nashville tenured all of its faculty, no matter how long they've been there. Most of them anyway. And then when they merged, you couldn't get rid of them. And those some of those white people became plaintiff interveners and complained that Tennessee State was resegregating. What does that mean? Well, that means that you know we see in the enrollment of white students go down. Well, it's merged, y'all can stay here. No, I'm not going to school, with no N-words. Okay, so what you want us to do about that? Now, then they said they were playing black schools, crambling in Florida AM. Tennessee State was an independent in athletics, it's like the Notre Dame of HBCUs. I hate to make that comparison, but it helps people quickly make the connection. They didn't play in a conference. Tennessee State had the best winning percentage in the history of college football. We would play Grambling from SWAC, Jackson State from SWAC, might play Florida A&M from then the Mid-Eastern Mid- Mid- Athletic Conference. (MEAC) may play Howard, may play Morgan State, play whoever we want. Well, the judge and them banging on Tennessee State, ultimately Tennessee State makes the decision to join the Ohio Valley Conference. Now, I know some people think that the white conferences are better than the Black conferences, shout out to Hampton, shout out to North Carolina A&T, both of whom have left the MEAC and gone into white conferences, following Tennessee State's model, which ain't no model to follow at all. But in order to do that, they had to get rid of any leadership at Tennessee State that would stay Black. And that leader was in the form of a brother who just made transition last year to great Fred Humphreys. Frederick Humphreys, who was a Florida A&M graduate, who left Tennessee State my sophomore year and went back to FAM to lead Florida a m where he fought with the Florida legislature, worked with the Florida legislature as well, and was able to continue to grow Florida AM. and Well, when he was president of Tennessee State, Tennessee State was under the Board of Regents and he fought them like hell. And the board sent a white boy named Ron Dixon, Lord, I'm remembering all this like it was yesterday now, to Tennessee State to become the vice president of financial affairs. And it was this big controversy when we were in school because uh, Dixon had uh, sent around a little cartoon and some of y'all know this little saying, you know, uh, what's that saying that they like to talk about draining the swamp? Trump talks about draining the swamp from this saying that, you know, when you enter a swamp, you know, you shouldn't be fighting the alligators. You should be trying to drain the swamp. Your first objective is to drain the swamp. Well, Dixon had sent that cartoon around and then it got out. When we found out his students, we were like, Bet, we can't get rid of Ron Dixon, but every one of these white boys that came from the University of Tennessee, Nashville, who are now on this faculty, who are plaintiff interveners talking about we too black, Boycott their classes. Oh, they were mad at us. Let me tell you something. Every student, please understand the power of students. Please understand the power of students. Because uh H. Coleman McGinnis, who is dead now, and there's uh, I, I a bunch of them, I'm going to name these white boys. Boy, they were mad. They were in the newspapers, they were in the Tennessee and in the Nashville banner, these students. And we was like, let's dance. That's let's dance. <laughs> David Bowie. Anyway, uh, I saw Bowie's collection, in fact, has uh, just been donated. Anyways, story for another day. The point is that, let's dance. See, this is the thing about white supremacists. They strong as hell till you punch them in the face. Then, they start crying. Shout out to Marjorie Taylor Greene. Want to secede. Baby, you can secede. You can secede. You can take your strong, proud jaw and secede. Now, when you find out that Georgia is, in fact, not a red state, but some red counties with one person apiece in them, and Atlanta and Savannah and Augusta (laughs) is where the money is and the power is, now you're going to have a problem. Guess what? Because your red state is going to look a whole lot funnier to you when you're sitting up at your exercise place after you've divorced uh, your partner and sitting around trying to figure out what happened to your life. You break it up and see what happens. Anyway, I'm sorry, y'all. So The point is this. In Tennessee, Jason Mumpower is trying to get his hands on Tennessee State's money, and the recommendation he made is to put them under the Board of Regents so you can get at the money. Hey, boy, hey, boy, let's dance. We was under the Regents before. You think that scares us? It excites me. I think because at some point, we're going to have to fight these people, and you're going to take away every other avenue except fighting. And when that happens, you're going to stick your... Finger on the side of your mouth like a white urkel Like, did I do that? <laughs> yeah. And at that point, you're gonna realize that the tipping point was you pressed on too many buttons. Same thing in Virginia with Ralph Northern. We saw that. He's just called for review of the AP African American history course. We're working our way back now to the Saturday theme that we're wrapping up today. The all this stuff is going on. He, you know, let's let's review this class. Let's review this class. Let's review this class. Let's dance, Northern. Let's dance Ralph in Virginia. Let's dance in Texas. Let's dance in Florida because you all are going to push it until you break it. Now, that is some of the stuff that's going on in the week since we've been together. But all of those things are peripheral to the mission that we have. This is the mission prof you opened us up with today, which is to stay focused, to press harder, more efficiently, and to continue to stay focused and in that focus and in that pressing more efficiently, continue to grow and prepare ourselves because that is what will overwhelm these people who are enemies not just of black people, not just of brown people, not just of immigrants, not just of the poor, but are enemies of our common humanity. And they're acting out of fear. The hatred is based in fear. You will not replace us. Jews will not replace us. What are you talking us? What, what are you talking about being replaced? It's a feeling. In fact, to quote from Boston, is more than a feeling because there is also a material interest at play, which is why Du Bois is creeping back into the conversation as white nationalism forces us to have to fight. This is W.E.B. Du Bois writing about, let me, I'll come to education in a minute. Du Bois is writing and talking about the nature of the world we live in. And in fact, let me start. Let me start from the end. I'm going to start from the end, y'all, because again, I I don't know that Dr. Du Bois and I would have liked each other because, you know, I'm kind of working class Negro and, you know, Du Bois loved black people, but sometimes I think sometime it was in the abstract or a certain class. I mean, that's what David Levin Lewis says, and I don't know that he wouldn't have. I mean, I think Du Bois had a respect for all of our human humanity, regardless of where we we're from in the world. But there's also a kind of elitism that comes from years of single minded focus. I can't be mad at that. But I know one thing the dude was a poet when he's writing. Let's talk about this. This is what Du Bois says. This is in the autobiography of W.E.B. Du Bois. He took this with him to Ghana when he left. And by the way, I should quote W.E.B. Du Bois on Ghana while I'm thinking about it. Um, let me see. I thought I pulled up the letter. I tweeted this out earlier this week, and somebody asked me for the source, and uh, here's the source. Du Bois, Shirley Graham Du Bois, and if you want to read a great book, read the autobiography of W.E. Du Bois, and read this one as well. This is Shirley Graham Du Bois's His Day is Marching On, a memoir of W.E.B. Du Bois. It's more than a memoir of Dr. Du Bois. It's her memoir, too. It's Shirley Graham i love shirley graham i would have loved i wish i could have spent some time with shirley graham it's a blessing to know some people who did i mean just you talk about a fighter but at any rate um in 1961 the du bois left for ghana this is a letter that w.e.b du bois wrote to a family friend a friend of he and shirley's uh grace gones who lived in wilmington delaware this is from september the 13th 1961. Miss Grace Gomes, 501 East 10th Street, Wilmington, Delaware. Dear Grace, your letter of September the 7th makes me so mad that I hasten to reply. It's September, 1961. So Du Bois is getting ready to leave. Let's read, let's listen to what Du Bois writes her. He says, I just cannot take any more of this country's treatment. We leave for Ghana October 5th and I set no date for return. If I were you, I try to buy nothing more, but save, and in time, leave. Du Bois writes, we have been lucky. We have sold our house at a good price after 10 years among nice folk They were living in Brooklyn at the time. We're through. <laughs> this is the sentence. We're through, period. We're through, period. Du Bois goes on and says, how gladly I remember these lovely days at 409 Chen, at 409, meaning where they live. I think it was 409 Edgecron in Brooklyn, if I remember correctly. Next sentence, my favorite sentence in the short letter. It's only three paragraphs. This is paragraph two. Let me just start again with paragraph two. We have been lucky. We have sold our house at a good price after 10 years among nice folk. We're through. How gladly I remember these lovely days at 409. Chin up and fight on, but realize that American Negroes can't win. Next paragraph. I read this over after writing it. See, Du Bois didn't just write that mad and send it as a tweet. There was no Twitter then. He didn't send it as a text. There were no cell phones to text then. He's paying attention because he ain't got all them distractions. And still, as uh, as being Du Bois, he's going to read this over. And let me read this again, because, again, the reason we have this letter is because when Du Bois was sent a letter, he would make a copy on onion skin paper or whatever secretary would make it. And he kept every a copy of every letter he ever sent out. Du Bois was fastidious in his regards to this. So we have this letter because it's a copy of the letter he sent to Grace Gaunt. Next paragraph, he said, I read this over after writing and it occurs to me, this is a hell of a missive to send a weeping friend. So buck up. (laughs) Du Bois is wild boy. He said, I read this over after writing and it occurs to me, this is a hell of a missive to send a weeping friend, so buck up. Most people in this country today are worried to death. So eat, drink, and be merry. I'm celebrating by going to my dentist and then out to dinner. We sail October 5th for Ghana. Between then and now, phone us when you'll be in town. Love, W-E-B. Now, this is beautiful. Du Bois loved life. In fact, the last message he sent to the world, he wrote, put in an envelope, told Shirley, when I'm gone, Read this. And if you ever want to read a moving account of how Du Bois made transition, in fact, I might do that. I'm looking at the clock now. We're going to stay tight today. But I might read what Shirley Graham writes about Nkrumah coming to visit him, him apologizing to Nkrumah because he couldn't finish the Encyclopedia Africana. Nkrumah with tears in his eyes saying, you ain't apologizing to me, man. You've done me the honor of my life by I come here. Anyway, Du Bois sit, wrote, puts a message in an envelope and tells Shirley, when I'm gone, read this at the funeral. And Nkrumah reads Du Bois' last message to the world. And, and one of the things Du Bois said, I've loved my work, I've loved my play. And I always remember in life to continue to fight because you know the great end co- comes slowly, time is long. And whatever you don't finish in your life, you've left for pr- next generation to do. It's, it's, it's a beautiful message. So we think about them not being hope. That ain't the point. Chin up and fight on, But realize American Negroes can't win. In that sentence is the whole thing. They gonna do and what you gonna do? Sit here and watch? Watch a man eating and bu- dancing in a in a tick tock video. Chit up, buck up, fight on. But we can't win. What that got to do with it? What that got to do with it? The only reason that they acting that way is because you ain't punched them in their face. Jason, Tennessee. Listen. Your ankles gonna break, bruh, because your ancestors' ankles broke. Don't you know we'd be somewhere in our shirts off at damn uh, uh, Andrew Jackson's plantation at the Hermitage if you had gotten your way? Oh, but you're going to lose this time like he lost last time. Because when Du Bois says chin up and fight on, but recognize American Negroes can't win. He's not saying that black people can't win. He's saying if you allow yourself to define yourself by the context and the contour of this white supremacist project, you are by definition a loser. You've lost. No amount of blowing air into this ruptured paper bag. No amount of moving renditions of the national anthem, which I would say is indistinguishable from doing that dance. No amount of begging going to get you there. See, you got to fight these people. Ask Rosa Parks. You got to fight these people. Ask Ida B. Wells. Ask uh, Mary Church Terrell. Ask Mary McLeod Bethune. Ask. Anyway, Du Bois. After he's in Ghana, this doesn't come out until after he makes transition, 1963, August 1963, but then it's published. This is what Du Bois says in the postlude to his life. He says, as a result of my work and that of others, the Supreme Court began to restore democracy in the South. Now, he ain't never been short on ego. As, as a result of my work and others, bruh, I ain't mad at Du Bois though. <laughs> This caused rebellion in the South, which the nation is afraid to meet. This is where the South would not integrate the schools. And I'm, this is where I'm going to bring the students back in in a minute. I'm going to take about 10 minutes on this right now. Du Bois, then we're going to keep going with what we're talking about. Because again, I want to bring all this in on this last Saturday around this question of education and community. That's really what we want, what we've been talking about. How can we study, learn, work as we get deeper understanding and transform a community? So we bust the bonds of citizenship, for example, which is a limiting form of community, a civic community that comes with rights and responsibilities for sure, but that isn't broad enough to do what we need to do because it confines us to the four corners of the countries we're in. And we are in a global class today. In class is a global thing. So yes, uh, most of my students were at a darty on Thursday and it's terrible because we had a hell of a class in the hip hop. We broke down the Grammys performance. We went through each of the performers and we saw who was there, who wasn't there. We mapped it against what we're reading and studying, and we were wondering, and then began their assignment between uh, this past Thursday and next week, they got to go and research how this thing was curated. Yeah, Questlove said he had, he had a, cur- no, it wasn't just you. Why? Because LL got the longest, uh, longest set out of everybody. And so I asked them who broadcast the Grammys when they said CBS, they said, okay. Is LL still on CBS, NCIS? I like, That's your first clue. Go look it up. Anyway, the point is that while there may have been 20 students in there, there are a couple of thousand and more in here with old floor room just in the morning in Nubia and tens of thousands more during the week. This has been jailbroken y'all. All we have to do now is focus. And so chin up and fight on and recognize that the four corners of wherever you are in the the room right now, that ain't gonna be how we win. How we win is our relationship to each other, the governance formation. Du Bois continues and he says, the Negro stands bewildered. An attempt is made by appointments to unimportant offices and trips abroad to bribe him into silence. His art and literature cease to function. Only the children like those at Little Rock staying and fighting. Now, that's a little overbroad, wouldn't you think? However, Du Bois was, he, he was raising hell in the pages of, like the Journal of Negro Education. He said, you're using our children as battering rams to get in these schools. What's in them schools you want? What the Negro needs is not integrated education. What the Negro needs is not segregated education. What the Negro needs is education. In that respect, he's like our man Carter Woodson. And let me pause here just to share with you. I was going through some stuff looking for, actually, let me do a little housekeeping right here. This is a quick footnote. I told y'all last week I would pull the uh, King mural. Um, this is actually the dedication, uh, the unveiling of the Martin Luther King mural, Monday, January 20th, 1986. This is when they dedicated, uh, they, they, they dedicated the mural, and um, this is the program. But here is the actual mural, if you want to see, the one that's at the Martin Luther King Library. This is just a square of it, which you'll see there, that's the whole mural. It really is like an Ariki. it tells a story. There's King in school, there's King with the marches, SCLC, There he is in D.C., Montgomery bus boycott, all that. Actually, there's Morehouse at this side. You see, shout out to Morehouse, your birthday was last week. Also Virginia State, also Cheney University of Pennsylvania, 1837. Uh, that was, um, but while I was pulling that, I remembered that I had this. It was over there with the rest of the em- ephemera. There's our man, Carter Woodson. This is actually the program from Shallow Baptist Church, February 1st, 1984, where they dedicated, this is the first day of issue for the Carter G. Woodson stamp at Shallow, where he was a member, which is in the same block as his house, which is now run by the National Park Service. Shout out to the women and men of the NPS who stand guard over Woodson's house and those who who trained them. So anyway, I mentioned it. I'll come out of the footnote. I'm coming back now. So what Du Bois does in this autobiography, he's talking about, the context of desegregation. And when he says that the children in Little Rock were only one stand up and fight, that's not true. But what he is alluding to is the fact that we're about to be taken. We're about to mistake quality education as co-equal with desegregated schools. And Du Bois said, incessantly, particularly his last decade of life, particularly just before he left for Ghana, particularly in 1960 when he and Shirley Graham both spoke to black teachers in North Carolina at Johnson C. Smith University. Uh, Shout out by the way to the CIAA. I know that the uh, CIAA tournament, the premier tournament of HBCU basketball is going on right now in Baltimore. Wish I could get up the road. So shout out to all my friends, president of Virginia State University, Mikola Abdullah, uh, the president of winston-salem state university uh brother elwood you up there i know y'all up there having a ball Shaw bears i've seen everybody out there turning out cat adams i know you traveling but i know claflin is in the house so i mean all that's going on here but at any rate what Du Bois is saying is that and he said this to johnson c smith in 1960 he said once these laws change then you're gonna have to face the real issue the real question is question of color and culture race and culture not color race and culture. And he said, he said are you, when these schools desegregate, are you going to lose your sense of who you are? And if you think about how these things are narrated in this country, the struggle over curriculum that we're fighting now and must fight, chin up and fight on, buck up, the fight that we're having is anchored in this idea of some, that somehow we make peace with these people. Now, you got to kill these people intellectually. You got to destroy white supremacy. And I'm going to tell you a little secret. That is not a secret at all. We all know this. Those of you who are in class right now from around the world, this is what you need to know about the United States of America and the American Negro. White supremacy is the living, beating heart of the American settler project. It will never, it will never, it will never stop beating on its own. You have to cut that thing out. You have to have a heart transplant. So you better have another heart ready. But if you cut it out, ain't nothing there. The patient gonna die. The country gonna be gone. Break it up. Break it up, MGT, MTG, whatever your initials are. Clan adjacent. Break it up. Because when you take it apart, you ain't never gonna put it back together. Now, my dear friend and colleague, Nicole Heather jones 1619 Project and all that work, it's an attempt for a heart transplant. Best of luck. Best of luck. But when you... Ooh, no, actually, it's probably not an attempt. I mean, is it an attempt at a heart transplant? Because an attempt at a heart transplant would have another heart ready to put in the body. See, what we're doing is reviving our heart. We're not trying. We're not trying to give the white supremacist heart medicine. See, <laughs> so I, I don't know. Is you say, well, we were here too, and we were here too, and yeah, you owe us reparations because we have to build this together. Maybe that's given heart medicine, but you know, there's something called, and you know, you doctors, Reba, help me, Dr. Kelsey. I think they call it a congestive heart failure. Anyway, <laughs> you can live with it, but ultimately, well, we all going to die. Back to Du Bois. And Cor- it's congenital. It's con- Oh, yeah, it's passed down, right? Oh, yeah. You, ooh, prof, pro, pro. Again, there you go with those bars. Because the United States of America did not spring fully as Athena from the brow of Zeus. The United States of America is the bastard child of settler colonialism. In other words, England, but not just England, Spain. Not just England and Spain, France. Shout out to everybody who enjoyed Mardi Gras last week. We spent time on Tuesday going through the Mardi Gras Indians and Afro-Bombada and all that history. And then we took it global. So shout out to Mobile. Shout out to New Orleans. Shout out to Carnival. Shout out to everybody in the Caribbean, everybody in Brazil, because we know that Mardi Gras is just the outer edge of those traditions of the Caribbean. And shout out to enduring Catholicism. Because they tried to put make everybody Catholic, and we took it and turned it out and made it into a party. So shout out to everybody. But you're absolutely right, Prof. The United States of America, the settler colony, is a car crash between England and France. And England and France and, and Spain. England, France, Spain, and Holland. England, France, Spain, Holland, Germany, and Italy, and everywhere else where immigrants came in in the late 19th early 20th century and traded one thing for another the thing they traded was the place they came from and they brought a few cultural items with them and the thing they got here once they got off the boat and realized that you can become purely and truly American by shouting the n-word was whiteness so if you think that DeSantis that youngkin are gonna give up their whiteness or stop appealing to The whiteness of people who ain't got two pennies to rub together? No, because it is the beating heart. It is the beating, failed, congested heart failure of this project that allows it to continue to survive. And yes, yes, it is hereditary, congenital. It comes down, through. because what needs to now be rooted out is whiteness. Everybody knows that in England. Uh, Everybody knows that in France. Everybody knows that in Europe. We're just past the year anniversary of the invasion of Ukraine, all the Africans who were trying to flee with the Russian attacks and got stopped at the border know that. Understand that you can't give this thing no heart medicine that's going to keep it beating much longer. All of its arteries are blocked. So what you're hearing from Florida, what you're hearing from Virginia and Texas, what you're hearing in Tennessee, those are the cries and the pains of someone having a heart attack and it's fatal. So we've got to make sure that our heart beats pure, that our heart is unblocked, that our heart ready to replace that heart, not just in the United States, but around the world. In fact, give me a clean heart. Yeah, y'all know that old gospel song. Anyway, Du Bois says, we in the United States tax ourselves into poverty and crime so as to make the rich richer and the poor poorer and more evil. We know the cause of this. It is to permit our rich business interests to stop socialism and to prevent the ideals of communism from ever triumphing on earth. So Du Bois now really talking about socialism. He says, the aim is impossible. Socialism progresses and will progress. All we can do is to silence and jail its promoters and make world war on communism. I believe in socialism, Du Bois writes. I seek a world where the ideals of communism will triumph to each according to his need and each according to his ability. And for this, I will work as long as I live and I still live." He's 93 years old writing this. These next paragraphs are pure poetry. Now we can debate what forms of government we want, but one thing is for sure. When people say, I'm against the communists. Okay, first of all, spell it. Second of all, distinguish between that and socialism. Third of all, after you've done that, explain whether you paid into Social Security in your check this week. Explain how government benefits are not benefits, but you've already paid for them. And I do understand and thank you all those in the comments over in in YouTube and particularly in Anubia for, you know, saying it's a little bit more complicated than that. You got a Federal Reserve, you got private banking, but please understand that capitalism is driving all this and you've already subsidized the ultra rich by the way, while I pause here, let me take 30 seconds and do a couple of corrections from last week. Thank you, Virginians, because I shouldn't I should have checked for myself and my students said that they had changed Barack Obama from uh, from George Washington Carver to Barack Obama school in Richmond. That is not true. Thank you. Carver still stands. And they actually switched out Jeb uh, Stewart, a Confederate general was the name of that building before they named it Barack Obama. And as soon as somebody said it in the comments, the light went off. I remember that story. Thank you very much, by the way. So anyway, Du Bois now, the next two paragraphs, this is where we're going to end with Dr. Du Bois on uh, on the uh, just passing 155th anniversary of his birth in Great Barrington, Massachusetts. Dr. Du Bois said, I just live. I plan my work, but plan less for shorter periods. This man in his 90s, y'all. I live from year to year and day to day. I expect snatches of pain and discomfort to come and go. And then reaching back to my archives, I whisper to the great majority. Who's the great majority? Du Bois writes, to the almighty dead, into whose pale approaching faces I stand and stare. Dr. Beatty will walk you through one of the names for ancestors in ancient Egyptian language. Those of you studying Medellinets probably already know this. It literally translates into English as those in front of you. We are going to meet the great majority. By the way, today is the William Leo Hansberry Conference. Um, I'm sure people have already dropped that in the chat in Nubia. It's free. It's from 10 to 4 Eastern Standard Time. Um, Dr. Beatty, many others will be there. Gail Hansberry, the daughter of William Leo Hansberry. Leo Hansberry's brother was Lorraine Hansberry's uh, father. So Gail, uh, Ms. Gail, Mama Gail, uh, that was her auntie, Lorraine Hansberry. She talks about Lorraine Hansberry walking into school, by the way. So anyway, the Hansberry Conference is today talking about one of the pioneering classicists in African America, great Egyptologist. So um, Du Bois is saying that he stands and stares there because they are in front of us. He said, you whose thoughts, deeds, and dreams have made men, made women, made people wise with all wisdom and stupid with utter evil. In every name of God, bend out and down, you who are the infinite majority of all mankind. He's talking about the ancestors. And with your thoughts, deeds, dreams, and memories, overwhelm, outvote, and coerce this remnant of human life which lingers on. He's talking about us. This remnant of human life which lingers on. Come on, theologians. I know y'all ain't here right now. I mean, this is the eternity we're talking about. This This little thing we call life, This is a fragment, this remnant of human life. Du Bois says, imagining themselves, wisest of all, who have lived just because they will survive. The idea somehow that now is better than yesterday. This is what Johan Hari is talking about. He said, I'm glad I remember a time when they didn't have these damn phones. I can concentrate. Du Bois is like, in fact, let me pause here before I go back to to finish Du Bois and go to another Du Bois. This is something he wrote. (laughs) Oh, man. This is something Du Bois wrote in 1955 about after Brown versus Board of Education 2 was decided. He said the African slave in America had tried physical force against oppression from the time of Columbus to the day of Nat Turner. In every island and every slave state, as Herbert Apnecker has shown us, There were hundreds of slave revolts, and which prove, as Haitian historians say, that the French Revolution did not spread from France to the West Indies, but from the West Indies to France. Negro revolt under the Maroons culminated in Haiti, where Britain, France, and Spain were worsted, and the United States was frightened into stopping the slave trade. The United States then got the territory west of the Mississippi as a gift. Nevertheless, against force wielded by slaves, greater force brought to bear by organization and arms in white America the thing we're fighting to this day, kept the shackles riveted on many of the Negroes. Final sentence in something called 200 Years of Segregated Schools, delivered in February 1955, right after Brown won before Brown 2, actually. Du Bois says, these Negroes therefore became determined to achieve freedom by brain, if not by muscle. Those of you who want to get that, you know, you can get volume 1, Uh, This is actually volume two of W. B. Du Bois Speaks, Philip Foner, his edited volume. I bring that up because you can't always fight with your fist, but you can always fight with your mind. But in order to fight with your mind, you must always remember that we must focus. We must pull ourselves together. And in case we think that this generation is the first one to have to deal with that, let me go to 1936, Dr. Du Bois. Something he wrote in the Pittsburgh Courier. Shout out to the black press. The black press. Du Bois wrote this August 22nd, 1936. He said, I love this, this is gonna make everybody laugh. Du Bois said, I bought this year, 1936, in all 25 new books. Shit, I bought that many yesterday, 25 new books. This is rather more than my usual stint, but I am catching up with my professional reading and completing my library in certain directions. Let's pay close attention to what he writes here. He says, moreover, this is a time when black people read the newspaper, not just the white newspaper, but the black press, science, technology category in our Africana uh, conceptual category, science and technology, the science and technology, the technology of newspapers, ways of knowing, getting your stuff from the newspapers, the governance formation, discussing what's going on. We have to remember, as we talk about here every week, we bring some international stuff, we bring some stuff in the US, we bring things because we want to be aware. This is the most important election in the black world is taking a place right now. And Kamala Harris, no. No, no, hey, no, it's in Nigeria. We ain't got nothing to do with Nigeria. That's the problem. Of course we do. Guess where Jill Biden is. Y'all know where Jill is. She's in the Horn of Africa right now. She was over in Kenya talking to black women about being entrepreneurs. Ain't that a joke? She just left Namibia a couple of days ago. Anyway, Africa is the future. Du Bois says that. Anyway, Pittsburgh Courier, black newspaper, people reading the paper, they read Du Bois's column, which is entitled, What Have You Read? From 1936, Du Bois goes on and he says, "Moreover." 25 books this year. He says, moreover, I am trying to make good the resolution that I adopted several years ago, to be quit of the public library habit. Hmm? Public library is a bad Du Bois? No, 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 he's not saying that. Well, let's see what he says. He says, I am convinced that nothing has cheapened American intellectual life more than this habit. Hmm? It has stopped the buying of books, which means that publishers can only afford to issue thrillers. Unless they take long chances. Woo, this is 1936. This is 36. This is around the same time. The next year, their eyes were watching God was published. Zora Hurston, if my math serves me correctly. This is the year. These are the years of Langston Hughes and Elaine Locke. These are the years of Zora Hurston. These are the years of the so-called New Negro Movement, what the white boys call the Harlem Renaissance. This is the, you know, this is and Du Bois is saying, man, people not buying books. He says, the ordinary serious reader does not pretend to buy books. He says to an author, as people have repeatedly said to me, I'm going to read your book just as soon as I can get it from the library. Now, there are people who can't afford books. Again, as we're building narrative, we're building newbie, we're pulling things together. I'm thinking about everybody from well-read black girl to no-name book club, people sending books to prisons, people sending books to people who don't have the money. We pull our resources together. We can make sure the people who don't have the resources but want the book want the book. And if those who have resources do what we are doing, and, and Professor Hunter, you said this over again. Take pictures of your library. Show us your library. People get so many times looking on social media, people posting pictures of books that I've had here that you talked about that we have put out there and say, get Daniel Black. Unbelievable. Uh, even when you have access to open source stuff, like again, Angela Porter, her article, she, Angie Porter is the most read law professor in America right now, because people have realized that the reason she chose to publish in the open source place is because they don't cost you a dime to read it. And the editors are like, how are these people downloading? Because we are jail, it's jailbroken now, baby. Du Bois finishes. Watch this. This is the punchline. I'll go back. He says, the ordinary serious reader does not pretend to buy books. He says to an author, as people have repeatedly said to me, I'm going to read your book just as soon as I get it from the library. And at the very moment, Du Bois writes, the person in question was wearing two octavo volumes on her head, which wasn't worth it. Octavo volume the big heavy leather bound volumes. I'm gonna get your book as soon as you, what you got on your head? Oh, you like this? Oh, yes, is that a Telfar bag? Yeah, Telfar, baby. But you're going to get the book from the library. You boys, <laughs> I don't trust it. And me, Mm-mm. I love working at Black College because I have Black students, have Black colleagues. It's a beautiful thing. But if I want a book, I don't have to go to Howard's Library. My library is better than this. And that's because. My mom and them got me books from the time I was little. My daddy and got me books when I was little. That's what I wanted. My fifth birthday, I remember just as I'm sitting here with you right now. They got me a copy of The Presidents and Their Wives. Now, that's how the school system worked. I want to be president of the United States. I had memorized all the presidents, all the vice presidents, all their wives. I was six years old, turning six years old. But from then, I want the book. Give me the book. Am I unique? Hell no. Professor Hunter, you've talked about that many times. Your father, that library, that home library, we're building libraries now for our children. Nubians talk about that every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, we have conversations every Saturday. Let's continue. Finally, Du Bois, in his autobiography, says this. He's talking to the ancestors now. Oh, I should mention one other thing. Kind of winding here. I I want to mention this. We know that not only what we are fighting for, for our common humanity, is right, we know it's true, we also know we don't fight alone. Du Bois wasn't overtly religious, Although he did things like, you know, Aptheker found this in his papers and published it. Prayers for dark people, W.E.B. Du Bois. These are prayers. Going back to the late 19th century, Du Bois wrote. Even when he was at Wilberforce on the faculty and they would come to have mandatory chapel in, in the daytime. And they, and one day, one time the administrator was like, Dr. Du Bois will lead us in prayer. And from the pews, Du Bois said, yeah, Dr. Du Bois will not. <laughs> because Du Bois, he not conflating any particular religion with this notion of a creator. He's very, you know, his credo is a powerful prayer among others, but anyway, that having been said, you know, when we think about how ancestors show up, I'm telling you, so powerful. Remember last week, Prof, we were talking about uh, two weeks ago, we were talking about Olive Taylor, and I told you all, I haven't been able to get my hands on a 1955 year book with her pictures in it because you know, I showed you out a 56 year book, and I don't have the I have I have a number of Dunbar high school yearbooks, but I don't have the one where she's graduating. Not yet. I'm, I'm constantly on the scan. Well, Tuesday morning, I'm coming out of my 8 o'clock class, 8 a.m. class because I'm like Ed Temple. I'm from Tennessee State, baby. Ed Temple said only the pure in heart. <laughs> so I have an early class. Some people complain about an early class. I want their to shit. If I could have it at 7 o'clock, I might have it at 6. I might have it at 6. In other words, hey, let's do let's do. I want the people here who need to be here. So I get out of my 8 o'clock class. It's like 9.30, 9.45. I go into the engineering building and just because I'm going to cut through there on the way to my next stop and, you know, I'm gonna use a little boy's room or, you know, men's room, whatever, bathroom. And then I'm going to go down in the basement because I don't never go in the basement, but I heard some voices and I heard some cats laughing and joking. So I went down there and the brothers were unloading some uh, equipment, some engineering equipment off a truck. And they had the bay door open in the engineering building. I've been in and out of damn near every door on Howard university campus and never been in at that door. So I'm standing there talking to the brothers. I love, you know, these are people. We make community when we pause to be in community. You don't make a community by being the leader of a university, by being in passing people. Because guess what? People talk, right? Dude, don't talk to nobody, right? We, you make community by being in community, not by trying to discern who's important, who's not important. Mm-mm. We all community. So I sit there and talk to them about five minutes and I say, you know what? All right, brothers, I'm going to make this move. I ain't never been out this door. The whole time I've been at Howard, 23 years. I'm gonna walk out this door. He said, yeah, man, go ahead. So I walk out the door. I make a right. I'm coming down the parking lot. And my man that sells books on Howard's campus. It's a beautiful tradition. A lot of HBCUs do that. Florida A&M had a cat like that. Nashville had a cat like that. My man, Youssef Paul Coates, who now runs Black Classic Press for years at Howard when he was working more on Spangar, And after he would have tables set up in front of what is now the School of Business and sell books. This is the birth of Black Classic Press. So there's a, there's a book vendor. And some of y'all, if you got book vendors, put them in the chat. Give a shout out to those book vendors, and I want to see who's got other who other people have book vendors. Anyway, my man setting up the table, car tables, and I don't go out that bay when that bay door. I never go. I've never been out that bay door in twenty three years. It's never been open. And coming out that bay door put me in his sight line. And I came through the parking lot, and he's just getting out his truck. He just put about maybe ten books on the table he's gonna have ultimately probably about maybe five or six dozen books out for young people to look at and buy i wouldn't have seen him tuesday morning not normally i'd have gone a completely different way wouldn't have seen him i go hey man what's going on hey man, what's going on we're talking about blah, blah, blah. what's that he said man somebody gave me that other day i said i figured i put it on a table because somebody around here might want it no way you think I'm making this up, Professor Hunter? This is the 1955 <laughs> no issue. Way. This is Octavia, I'm sorry, Olive A. Taylor, history major, Washington DC, modern dance club. There she is right there. You won't tell me the ancestors not real? <laughs> Jason, let's dance, baby. We're gonna crush you like what you are. Or we're we gonna reach into your punk ass chest, take your heart out, Throw it away and give you a clean heart. The choice is yours, but what you're not going to do is rule over us. Olive Taylor going to make sure of that. I'm going to tell y'all right now. You think the answer is not real? You can talk to somebody else. You can talk to somebody else. Du Bois says, told y'all last week, I don't have. She said, I got you, baby. I got you. You're not going to stand up over my physical form and give some words of respect and I don't take care of you. I got you. I got got a message for these people. She's still teaching, Du Bois says. In every name of God, bend down, bend out and down, as I said. You who are the infinite majority of all mankind. And with your thoughts, deeds, dreams, and memories overwhelm, outvote, and coerce this remnant of human life, which lingers on, imagining themselves, wisest of all, who have lived just because they will survive. Whither with wide revelation will they go? With their stinking pride and empty boasting. Remember, Du Bois says, Whither now and why? That was the name of the speech he gave at Johnson Smith. Once these laws change, whither and why now? Whither now and why? What you gonna do now? You gonna fight over AP class? You gonna try to get your curriculum in the schools? You better get ready to fight because now you don't have control of your schools. You didn't have it during segregation, but at least you could get the culture in. But once you desegregate, your school's gonna stay black, your kids gonna stop trying to go to school because they're gonna get beat on and talked about and, and disciplined and all that. And now you ain't even gonna have the teachers there to protect them. He says all this in 1960. Du Bois writes, "Whither with wide revelation will they go with their stinking pride and empty boasting whose ever recurring lies only you the dead have known all too well that's why you study the ancestors no we what we face now we faced it before du bois says teach living man to jeer at this last civilization which seeks to build heaven on want and ill of most men and vainly builds on color and hair rather than on decency of hand and heart let your memories teach these willful fools all which you have forgotten and ruined and done to death. Last paragraph, Du Bois says, you are not and yet you are. What's the definition of ancestors? You are not and yet you are. Hmm. Your thoughts, your deeds, above all your dreams still live. So too your deeds and what you forgot. These lived as your bodies died. With these, we also live and die, realize and kill. Our dreams seek heaven. Our deeds plumb hell. These are Christians in the South, alleged Christians. Understand, the Nazis call themselves Christians. The Klan call themselves Christians. These are people who will consider them Christians. He says, our dreams seek heaven. Our deeds plumb hell. Du Bois writes, hell lies about us in our age. Blithely we push into its stench and flame. Suffer us not, eternal dead, to stew in this evil. The evils of South Africa, the evils of Mississippi, the evils of Florida, the evils of Virginia, the evils of Tennessee, the evils of anything that will oppress people, including sometime when them people look like us, the evils of Nigeria, the evils of Kenya, the evils we perpetrate on each other, the evils of eating a mustard-filled pizza and doing like this because somehow this social structure has so invaded your mind that you think that that is the sum purpose of your existence to get shares and likes. Du Bois goes on and he says the evil of evils, which is what we hope to hold in Asia and Africa, in the Southern Americas and islands of the seven seas, reveal ancient of days, the present in the past, and prophecy the end in the beginning, for this is a beautiful world. The boy's always talking about beauty. He was on his deathbed talking about how beautiful it was. He made his wife put on some music. Says he made the transition, he looked at her and said, I'm good, just stay here with me. No, don't worry about dinner, just stay here with me. She writes about that so beautifully. Put that music on, my favorite. My goodness, my sister holding my mama's hand. A little tear goes down her cheek. They sing it. The boy said, this is a beautiful world. This is a wonderful America. Uh-oh. This is a wonderful America which the founding fathers dreamed until their sons drowned it in the blood of slavery and devoured it in greed. Our children must rebuild it. Let the dreams of the dead rebuke the blind. Now, now he done gone, he in Ghana. Let the dreams of the dead rebuke the blind who think that what is will be forever. And teach them that what was worth living for must live again. And that which merited death must stay dead. Oh, I wish I were in the land of cotton. No, we're gonna kill that again, and this time it's gonna stay dead. Last sentence Du Bois says, Teach us forever dead. There is no dream, but deed. And there is no deed, but memory. It's mm. a bad dude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then he went on in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so we were, I tell you, man. Yeah, let's... Uh... Oh, there it is. Yeah. I... That's so beautiful. Now, m- mind you, they got a lot of correspondence. If y'all go to CREDO, the University of Massachusetts Credo, all of that. That's probably where you pulled it from, huh? Pro? Somebody put the link in. Credo is all of Du Bois's papers. They've been digitized. And you no, can I, I pulled it from your 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 Twitter page. Oh, okay, good. I, yeah, I did tweet it out. That's right. Early. So I tweeted it from that. I tweeted it from that. now Cardi B could come to class, James. But I tell you right now, we, the, the, the uh the, the grounds, we're not going to her grounds, she's coming to all. First of right. all, what's her birth name? Uh, damn if I know. Wait, hold on. She would have to tell us all. Somebody put it in there because I ain't calling nobody by their stage name.
0: <laughs> you know what?
1: You gotta you say that. Hold on. I'm just saying, I mean, you know, Brother Broadus, Brother Calvin Broadus, you okay. yes. don't know Snoop. If Snoop name comes... Is,
0: um, Bacallus Marlanus, uh Almanzar.
1: Okay. Cephas. So we'll, we'll ask her how she wants to be referred yeah. to and that's beautiful because we're going to be human beings here.
0: Bacallus. Bacallus, yeah. Bacallus Marlenus Almanzar Cephas. Okay. That's beautiful. See, we we have to do that. We no, have to. Thank no, you. you know what? Um, and let me just say this: you know, the ignorance is not bliss. It's dangerous for all of us. But it's also, you know, people are doing things not because they hate us. You know, because I really do think Cardi B defending them in her in her spirit, she feels like she's doing something righteous, she feels like she's doing something righteous and she's not, she doesn't hate black people. Like, I don't think that she oh, hates no. black people. It's just the abject ignorance that we're all infected by because it is congenital and it has been passed down. And it's our responsibility to get out of this ignorance, right? When you know, yeah. know better, don't be offended. Don't be offended. You know, do better. Yeah. Do, better.
1: No. do better. Do better. Do better. Well, we, we are almost done, at least on my end. And I'm just looking at people. James, you say, you're... you're uh, Andrea said, my daddy fell asleep, the earth Wind, and fire. Oh, no question. My niece says she built a library for grandsons. For this generation four, we will never have to search for our origins again. No question. Got to bring it. Everybody's in the chat filling it up, and that just grows over the week. We're going to end with this because, um, you know, when we talk about spending time together, and we talk about this escalation because what we are in is another phase of the Cold Civil War. We've talked about that several times in class here. We've talked about this Cold Civil War. Well, it's heating up again in Mississippi where they have uh, the legislature has passed the laws you all see to make a, a police force. And at first, the police force was to police the white parts of Jackson, Mississippi, ostensibly under the rule of the state and state appointed judges or state. No, no elections. The judges are elected in Jackson. But these white boys want to have their own police force, their own judges. Now, they've amended the, the the law that they're getting through the legislation It's going to be signed by the rug-headed Tate Reeves uh, to give it jurisdiction over all of Jackson, Mississippi. These white boys are coming back, but what they seem to have forgotten Megar Wiley Evers and Dory Ladner. They seem to have forgotten Bob Moses. They seem to have forgotten Amzie Moore, whose son teaches at Chicago State University. They seem to have forgotten Vernon Dahmer. See, you white boys don't understand something about us. And you, and, and, and you punk in Florida, you puffer fish punk. You probably never heard of Harriet and Harry Moore, Harry T. Moore. Oh, you were school teachers. We will break you. You will be broken. And you will be broken in a way that your body will remain just as hale and hearty and full of clogged arteries as it is right now. But you're will, your spirit, your way of life, your white nationalism, we will ground into the dust like the passing evil that it is because you will not rule over us and those who we help liberate who think because somehow they share some fake identity with you that they are doing the right thing, they're going to come back to us and thank us one day or not. But that ain't why we doing it. You better understand what Du Bois is saying. The th- you do a right thing because it's the right thing to do. So, you know, I, I did mention my law students, and I want to mention that before we go, just very quickly, and put my timer on. A great deal of what we're talking about today really got spurred for me by the law students because we read Derek Bell's chapter on education in his case book, Race, law, Race, Racism, and American Law this week. And shout out to these brilliant students that I have. You know, this is the central place now, but I'm grateful to have now places where I'm working even more than I was before COVID, but now in a different configuration with this being the anchor that informs everything else. And it has just been truly transformative. But we read and discussed the case law on education in the United States. And I won't, obviously, with the timer going, I'm not going to spend any time on it today. We might even do something on this a special thing in class. I'm sorry, on Monday nights in office hours. And, and, of course, maybe I'll do a special thing just on the law. Maybe invite Angie Porter and a few other people, some lawyers, Ken Nunn, maybe who is in Florida right now. Maybe we'll have a roundtable to discuss this because, you know, the strategy, and in fact, if you think about high schools, and I'm looking at this, is a good book, actually, I pulled it, I was thinking about this earlier, The, Amer- the African American Struggle for Secondary School in 1940 to 1980, uh, John Rury and Shirley Hill. This is a good book that talks about the fact that prior to, prior to the 1940s, most people of African descent in this country, in the United States of America, that is, we know we're global right now, didn't have the opportunity to go to high school. It's a famous case in Georgia, the Cummings case where, you know, they got a building and they could put four elementary schools for black children in or, 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 or add a high school. And they decide they're not going to add a high school because they want to do the elementary school. But the white high school could give up resources. The Supreme Court of the United States says, well, they made the decision they had to make because they had limited budget. At one time, there was like one high school in the state. Y'all know Booker T. Washington in Atlanta you know, Carver in in Tennessee. I mean, you had one high school. Dunbar was the college prep high school, was the high school at one time for everybody in the damn country, United States of America. Well, you see this escalation in a number of high schools. You read Jim Anderson's work, Education of Blacks in the South, so many other people. But by the 1950s, you've got the desegregation push, largely by the black elite, although it is important to get rid of Jim and Jane Crow. But the result is, as Leslie Fenwick writes in her book Jim Crow's Pink Slip, 100,000 black teachers lose their jobs after Brown, between the end of Brown through the 1970s. So sort the of mid 50s to the 1970s, as Du Bois is telling people, screaming at them, hey, what are we doing? As Zordel Hurston is screaming, saying, we could have just gotten resources for our schools. You know, yeah, the laws, you definitely want the laws to change, but we're getting ready to implode our own thing. Well, in talking with the students and walking through the strategy, which was don't even try to desegregate the high schools or the elementary schools or the junior high schools. Start with the top the graduate schools, the law schools, Sweat versus Painter Law School, Sipwell versus Oklahoma Graduate School. Of course, the man at the University of Missouri, mm, 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 mm. Lloyd Gaines. I'm looking at the book on Lloyd Gaines, Gaines, X Missouri X Gaines those strategies when it was like a top-down integration and it was only a handful of blacks the first black to go here the first black to go there well that is why in 2023 we look back and look at that first black paradigm like what's what we all wanted it is a lie and that opened up the conversation with the young people as they were reading these cases and we were talking about this stuff and it came down to this question is there a cultural component to citizenship in the united states the answer is yes and that cultural component is white supremacy So when we talk about integrating, as Du Bois said, now you got the question of culture. Does integration mean you go into a school and you get to bring your favorite food one time, you get to do one project during February, but the rest of the time you got a white curriculum, white values, you're drawing little uh, 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 Thanksgiving fingers, and they with them fingers, which looks real harmless as a little art project for a six year old, what's really being put in your mind is Plymouth Rock. So the Henry Gates can play his SU role and get Angela Davis. So one of your ancestors came over on the Mayflower, man, nobody giving up. I love SU. I mean, Henry Gates, Henry Gates is SU. He's standing at the crossroads. He's going to irritate your ass till you choose. And we are going to have to choose AP class is great. I talked to those teachers. Some of the teachers this week, one of the sisters, uh, sister Nelva out of Houston was saying, we do intersectionality every day in our class. I teach literally in an all female school about a thousand students, less than a thousand students. Every day is an intersectionality conversation. So I don't know why they are battling over the curriculum uh, outline. I'm saying all that to say this finally, as we talk with the students, we had a remark, cause the sand is just about out, about 30 seconds. We had a remarkable conversation that really, you know, really forced us to grapple with the issue. The issue in our struggle around curriculum, around education, it is not about citizenship and it is not about race. It's not about diversity, equity, inclusion. It's not about having a couple of Negroes here and there. Cause if you do it that way, that's how you end up in a tank top eating and doing the dance in the restaurant while other black people look on in horror and you get 700,000 people to look at you which is about 1% of the followers for the random ass cats and hugging monkeys and everything else on the damn social media that's got you distracted from doing the work. The point is that this is about culture. This is about governance, ways of knowing, cultural meaning-making, appropriate use of science and technology, and finally, and most importantly, the way Du Bois has held us as the sand runs out, movement and memory. How do we allow the ancestors to speak to us so that as we move forward to join them, we can leave something behind us that will allow us to have a better world than the one we inherited by listening to those who came before us and so that we don't make the mistakes they made and learn from what they left for us. So we can stop there
0: in the name of Jesus.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> In the name of revolutionary Jesus. Jesus.
0: Yes, black Jesus with afro and brown skins. How about that? That, yes. Jesus, that Jesus. I was uh asking somebody, you know, um the the pictures that were on the walls of people's houses, you know, white Jesus, JFK, and Martin Luther King, you know, and again, no disrespect, because some of y'all's grandparents had those pictures up, you know? Lincoln
1: and Kennedy. Kennedy, too. Bobby Kennedy, after have you guys shot. The plates. Remember the plates? <laughs> yes.
0: You know, <laughs> I actually knew somebody whose home had those three in particular. Mm. And, you know, you think back on what was the impetus because we're just trying to find some semblance of humanity. Something to hold on to. That's and, right. You know, and in, in our... Uninformed minds, you know, that gave hope. You know, to look at those people, no question. At least no show some, some, some gravitas, some human humanity. But you know, now we we are moving forward. We don't need to worship uh, false gods. No question. When we have as, real. As we, we have real ancestors. We don't have to worship false gods when we have real ancestors. I'm
1: telling y'all, we got for, we got for real ancestors. I'm promise you right now. I mean, man, when I come when I pick this up, I say, bro. He said, I just put it in the truck today because somebody gave that to me. And I said, I figured somebody, I said, no, that's mine. I said, that's mine, brother. Yes. I mean, Olive Taylor put that in the truck, brother. Al Taylor gave it to the person that gave it to you.
0: What she we said, have about real ancestors. Wait, Doc, what, what she said about that train?
1: If it's going in the oh, in Yeah, the yeah, park? Olive Taylor said. You could be riding the finest train. It could be blowing diamonds out the smokestack. It could be riding down a rail of solid gold. But if that motherfucker is going in the wrong direction, <laughs> you got to get off. <laughs> I mean, oh, man, I heard so many out of stories. Proud ever since her, her transition. Oh, oh, I should mention there's another sister who made transition I just found out just before we went live. Um, this is Laura Garrett. Yeah, EI. Uh, Ei, who, um, May transition on the 20th So uh, earlier this week uh, Her ritual of initiation Into eternity, her funeral Is the 3rd of February, those of you who are in Philly 3rd of
0: March, 3rd of March.
1: March. Thank you, thank you, the 3rd, thank you so much The 3rd of March, I'm still kind of stunned E.I. was a middle school teacher uh, The service is at 10 The viewing is at 9 It's going to be at the Philadelphia Ethical Society Which is 1906 Rittenhouse Square uh i'm raising that because for two very quick reasons um she was a middle school teacher for many years and i EI taught for many years in south philly and she would come to we would have her talk to teachers all the time and i sit there and she said i've had children who came from places where they didn't know where their meal was coming from It's a whole bunch of people in the house they don't have a place to study and I Remember one first time the child came to me and said you know, Miss Garrett, I don't have a place to study. She said, baby, do y'all have a table in your house? Yeah, but it's always stuff on it. She said, I want you to do this. You walk out and put your hand. She went home with the child. She came in the house, said, is that the table you're talking about? Yeah. She said, put your hand like this. He said, yeah. Now put your hand on the bottom of the table. She said, yeah. Now do this. I said, that's your desk. And she made her mama promise her. <laughs> she said, that right there, that little thing, that's where she does her homework for us. E.R. Garrett. Laura Gary and her sister Lois Fernandez were the co-founders of Odunde. Odunde is the largest Yerba festival in the United States. It is held every June in Philadelphia and every June Sunday when they do Odunde, everybody goes to the river, to the school kill, and gives offerings to Oshun. So very, her important. So, you know, our love and sympathy, my deep love to, uh, to my my brother, her son, who was a Babalawo, uh, I love all of that whole family, his wife, their children, the whole family there. Um, Egbe San Kofa, um, so all of them. So I just wanted to mention that she made transition, but a master teacher, a master teacher. So,
0: thank you. I remember you sharing that story, and I was like, it comes full circle.
1: Yes, it really does. It as, really does.
0: And she comes full circle, she you really know, does. I you know, I feel like in many ways this is church. You know, you you read. Oh, who's the shut-ins and you know i feel like you know, dr cars will give us you know all and, and it's important because you're erecting this story the storyline of us that is eternal so um absolutely. i thank you for showing me the way
1: oh no me too we showing each other baba eyes i know y'all working out still funeral details because of the election nigeria's eyes told us monday night it's a little difficult they want to take him home so we we send
0: him prayers yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely absolutely so all right. Well, let's leave this with the uh, Bois' letter um, and everyone have a wonderful, prosperous, uh, you know, book-filled book weekend, filled. Book Book filled weekend. <laughs> um, and we're going to keep keep putting these uh, clean glasses of water and these bricks on this thing that we're building because we will not be stopped. We have we too not. many olives out there. Too many. They're me. in our family, yes, yes. Your All daddy,
1: right. my daddy, our parents, no question. Your mom's still swinging with both fists down there. you see, your mom and her partner reading the coming. I mean, you got Danny Black in the rotation now. We make, we making moves. It's moves are being made, y'all.